Nietzsche says, out of chaos comes order. Oh, blow it out your ass, Howard. Now, everyone be quiet. Whilst we listen to Harriet Van Johnson, our esteemed schoolmom, as she reads a telegram that she herself has composed to the governor, expressing our feelings about the new sheriff. To the Honorable William J. LePetamin, Governor. Forgive me. I'm not used to public speaking. We, the white God-fearing citizens of Rock Ridge, wish to express our extreme displeasure with your choice of sheriff. Please remove him immediately. The fact that you have sent him here just goes to prove that you are the leading in the state. was our intended opening uh, clip for yesterday. You know what? We're going to do it today and claim that it was uh, our intent to do it uh, today all along. It is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of April in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO and good morning to you. Uh, it is Friday. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and amusements of all varieties. Uh, it is uh, 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us today. 503-733-2970 if you would like to uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, musings of an ironic nature, limerick, haiku, whatever it is uh, you feel you have to contribute to your fellow Portlanders on this Friday. It's 503-733-2970. Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians is uh, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or what uh, Mr. Malvert used to call the absurd. That is 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Tim at kufo.com. Nibbler at kufo.com. Uh, or... And we are joined today by Kristen Bowie, who is uh, filling in. I can already sense your microphone is too loud. Isn't it always so? There we go. Yeah. Because even as you turned your microphone on, I could actually hear my own voice going through the room into your microphone and back into my headphones. I have it down so low. Your voice tends to carry a little bit. I know. All right. Uh, what, so you, uh, is it Kristen at CBS or CBS.com or CBS Radio? or I think KCMD the only one or? I have is the KCMD one. So it would be Kristen at 970.am. All right. So Kristen uh, with an E at 970.am. It's all very confusing. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us. Coming up in today's show, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. 
uh, will be joining us uh, from New York City. We'll talk to Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will join us today. A pair of tickets to see Queensryche at the Roseland this coming Saturday. Uh, that is our final pair of Queensryche tickets. Also, entry for one winner and a guest uh, to a private listener-only KUFO performance with Queensryche uh, earlier in the day. That is sponsored by Miller Lite, the best-tasting beer, uh, light beer, triple hopped for great taste. So that is coming up uh, today as well. Let's see. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Religious Nutcase Watch coming up today. Something else. Seems like we had a snuff watch at some point. It's lost in this huge pile of Larry King's uh, Twitter observations, which... I made the mistake of printing out everything uh, that he had Twittered over the last 24 hours, which is just absurd because it goes on for like, it goes on for what seems like about 16 pages here, including such observations as, wait, hold on, Larry King said yesterday at 2.23, the Jonas Brothers are huge baseball fans. There you go. Hundred trillion dollar technology. You know, you know, the United States government created the Internet as a way to keep nationwide communications viable in the event of a nuclear holocaust. And now Larry King can use it to tell us that coffee tastes better when it's in thick mugs. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, it is also High Concept Friday. Uh, so we will roll out our high concept topic uh, later on in the show. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification. My, what an interesting day. Wow. I'm way too loud. Yeah. So here's here's what needs to happen, just really quickly, if I can nope. pull back the curtain a moment. Uh, my microphone needs to go up, and everything else, uh, I think, my microphone and the bed need to go up, I think, at, at the same level. And I think uh, Kristen had dropped her mic, and yet yeah, Tim's mic needs to be a little lower there as well. Hello. All right. Let's try that again. Hello, Tim. How are you? That's all. No, I, I, I'm fine. I've never been better. Cockley, a blown out the side of my head. All right. I'm sorry. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. Parents turn in a Salem boy for allegedly robbing a Taco Bell. Then there's the gross story of the Oregon boy, the young fellow who found a condom and thought it was a toy and brought it to school. 13,000 turn out to cheer the Blazers at Pioneer Courthouse Square. The last Titanic survivor sells mementos to live. The Bush-era torture memos are released, which say in part, of course, we had no torture and no foreign uh, secret prisons, but we did all the time. And as a matter of fact, we stuffed people into boxes full of, full of caterpillars. I'm sorry? We stuffed people into boxes full of caterpillars. That doesn't even make any sense. To scare them. But I mean, who's... Okay, fine, right, whatever. I mean, aphids I can understand, tarantulas, yes, centipedes, maybe. But caterpillars? Caterpillars. And moonbeams and rainbows? Yes, Seriously. <laughs> You're going to be stuffed into a box filled with wishes and dreams and stardust. Yes. All right, well. Uh, some of the other things. A woman is arrested for sneaking into Britney's yard and peeking in her windows. Volkswagen becomes the world's largest automaker. Billy Ray Cyrus is mad at J.B. Fox for his remarks about Miley. Ashley Kutcher claims he beat CNN with one million Twitters. And Oprah has 60,000 followers even before she even Twitters for the first time. See, can I just tell you this? I'm looking at the Larry King thing. It says, I am announcing the one millionth CNN follower. They will be a guest on my program. Uh, and, of course, it's got that, that one photograph they always use of Larry King where it's like... It's like Orville Redenbacher meets Paul Stanley from Kiss mm -hmm. because he's just got, you know, he's the guy, kind of the old man uh, suspenders. He did, in fact, send out a message the other day that said something to the effect of, sometimes I snap my own suspenders just to see what it feels like. 
And you wonder to yourself, is that whole discussion we had yesterday about whether or not it's actually Larry King doing it? Because on the one hand, you can't imagine that Larry King spends his time sitting there just typing out like his really sort of pedantic observations to the masses. On the other hand... On the other hand, it's hard to imagine in this troubled economy the fact that the, the idea that they would somehow pay somebody to sit in a room and pretend to be Larry King online. Imagine what a soul-crushing first job that would be. But didn't he it's have actually an, some guy with dreadlocks sitting there. Seriously. Didn't he have an odd conversation with Roseanne Barr about the Internet? He has an odd conversation and with everybody about it's everything. with the buttons. Yes. <laughs> and now that, I, now that you mention it, what did, what did he say? It was a I thing think with Roseanne was explaining the Internet to him. On his show. Wait a minute, but he, did he really call the internet a thing with buttons? Yes, yeah. yes. Because I'm conflating him now with the series of tubes guy. No, that was a, that was a state senator, I believe. It but was it, a very similar conversation. But though. that wasn't Ted Stevens, right? Because that's the, the it wasn't it the guy from Alaska, but the guy who's not Ted Stevens. It Who, may have been. I, I think you maybe think it's someone. It could be someone from Alaska. That's oh where God. all this brilliance comes from, doesn't it? Did you see a Sarah Palin yesterday? Uh, call them Alaskans. As a, as a matter of fact, <laughs> dude, I, I had a story about her. Uh, Saying that she's always being mocked for her uh, her plain living. Yeah, no, it's no, she's simple folk, Tim. Yeah, the common clay of the new west. <coughs> uh, all right. Well, it's five zero three seven three three. We'll have Sarah Palin seven. later, also. Right. We'll have Sarah Palin later. We'll all have Sarah Palin later, Tim. It's just a matter of time, I think. That's so disturbing. Yes, it really is. All right. Uh, so that's all coming. And by the way, it is, speaking of Larry King and making small observations, let me just say that if I sound at any point a trifle odd in the opening segment, it's because I have, I've got this, uh, it's like a, like a popcorn husk. I don't mean to gross everybody out, but oh, I haven't. Oh, that does gross me out. I haven't even got to the, and it's, in a, and it's a box full of caterpillars, Tim. Are you going to be picking at your mouth all day? Uh. I think picking at your mouth all day uh, really rates is more disturbing than anything I've said. So I would like to say that right now the flag for off-putting statements is over there on the Kristen team. I was just going to say that, no, I will not be, quote, picking at my mouth all day. But if at any point it does seem like I'm – if I sound a little marble mask uh, during the, the show, it's because I got that – I did irritate – I just – I got a popcorn husk. You know, it's like you get it be, like kind of under your gum line a little bit. And I think it, I don't think it's there anymore. I ate an entire box of caramel corn. And it wasn't just caramel corn. It was the caramel corn cheese corn mix that they sell at Lloyd Center. Because we were there for the scratch-off thing uh, on Monday. The uh, you know, We were there and we were scratching off uh, lottery tickets for Oregon schools and whatever. And, and and I parked in whatever that parking lot is that it's on. Um, it's by it, it's sort of parallel to Grand or whatever. Anyway, because I normally park by Sears. No one cares. But the, the point is that I parked my car and I had to go is into... Is it parallel parking? <laughs> You know Did what you I love? Meter? I love it when I get to park at an angle. There's nothing as satisfying as fresh stripes in a parking lot. You should Twitter that. This is an incredible conversation. Kristen Bowie should be quiet. I'm going to Twitter that to everyone. But the point is, I went into and out of the mall in that entrance that goes right by the caramel corn shop. And the thing is, that is just, it's its just... It, Irresistible. It is. It, I mean, it's like the sirens. It's like I have to lash myself to the bow of the boat with wax in my ears so we can navigate past it. You know what I mean? It's that the sirens are in there just sort of singing their song of, you know, you know cheese and caramel mixed together in a box. It, it's just past the claw machine that, that you can grab a stuffed monkey. Yes. And so I... So I, I walk past it with no issues on the way in. But then, of course, then I'm there and I'm burning all of these calories, scratching off lottery tickets for children. And on the way out, I was just uh, – my energy stores had been depleted, so I had no choice but to buy a big box of caramel corn. And then, of course, once you've purchased it, that's money wasted if you don't eat it. So um, over the course of about three hours, I ate this entire box of caramel and cheese corn. 
which is just he's kind of treating my body poorly in like a hundred ways. Uh, but but way number sixteen is that I got this uh, the, the popcorn husk jammed in, in my gum line, and uh, it's gone now. But I think that the uh, I think the damage has already been done. So I'm going to try not to dwell on it. But I mean, just just so you know. All right, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We are joined today by Kristen Bowie, filling in for the vacationing Sarah Exton. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm fantastic. Is that a Captain America sweatshirt you're yes. wearing? Good for yes. you. Yeah. Well done. All right. Uh, we will uh, resume all of the uh, aforementioned merriment here in uh, just a skosh. And we've also got uh, Aaron Durant is going to be coming up later on. We've got Queen's Right tickets, Steve Kastenbaum, etc. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So what do you think of those Blazers, huh? Just a few years ago, they were dubbed the Jail Blazers. Well, now they're hometown heroes. Police estimate about 15,000 fans turned out at a downtown rally for the Blazers at Pioneer Courthouse Square. Nobody thought that they were going to go this far. Fans who gathered to celebrate Portland's first postseason appearance since 2003 cheered on the players and coaches who thanked the huge crowd. The Blazers, who set a goal at the start of the season to simply make it to the playoffs, suppressed expectations, and earned the fourth seed in the Western Conference and home court advantage in the first round. Whatever I just said. Tickets for the first two Blazer home playoff games went on sale uh, yesterday afternoon and were sold out in about two and a half hours, just like Brittany would. And so this was a so this was yesterday. Rally, yeah. Did this happen uh, right after we get off the air? All right, yeah, because I uh, yesterday is just such a weird blur of activity. I don't. Do you have? And I don't think this is just. I don't think this is because we're doing the, the mornings, but just there are certain days where you look back and somebody says, "So uh, what'd you do yesterday?" And you go, "I, I don't." No, I have no recollection at all. And then you wonder if that's like if, if that's the thing where you're getting old, and so therefore your brain can't compartmentalize, or if it's a one day thing, or if it's just some sort of advancing mental problem that you're not uh, quite cognizant of. Well, it's like three times this week I forgot where I parked my car. <laughs> three times. You know, Tim, if you park by the Caramel Corn uh, Shop and that entrance by Grand, which is near the Great Harvest, but not so near the Applebee's. Applebee's has fantastic nachos. Also, there is an amusing alligator wearing sunglasses. I find this hysterical. Enter. A real alligator or somebody in an alligator no, suit? It's a, uh, no, it's a, it's a stuffed alligator. It's on the wall, Tim. The parents of a 17-year-old turned him into Salem police. After they found out he robbed a Taco Bell, the parents brought the teen in, told police he was responsible for robbing Taco Bell on Commercial Street about uh, 2 o'clock Tuesday using a knife. The boy was arrested and taken to Marion County Juvie on charges of robbery, menacing, unlawful use of a weapon. This is the third time the Taco Bell has been robbed in a year. Please think the three robberies may be connected. Here's the thing. Possibly with this bad boy. I'm not, uh, you know, of course, advocating that anybody engage in criminality, but it does seem robbing somebody with a knife is simultaneously, how do I put this? I don't want to say impressive. That seems the wrong way to put it. But I'm just saying there's something, I mean, you would think that if you had a knife, you could sort of... uh, how do I put this? If you have a knife, it seems like you could probably get yourself a gun. You know what I mean? All oh, a knife to... is bad enough. You've never been robbed. I've no. been robbed by a knife before. Uh, not well, not s- by a knife by itself, by somebody holding a knife. I'm not saying that you should rob people with either a knife or a gun, but I'm saying if you've got a small knife, you know, as long as you're sort of cunning about it, you could probably, uh, you know, rob a guy out of a larger knife, and then you keep trading up until you're able to get a gun. Because robbing somebody with a knife at this point just seems. I mean, that's sort of a – that's like that thing yesterday where the, the uh, woman was stabbed by the uh, by the other woman who was in a wheelchair. And it seems like if you, as long as you can stay more than like a foot away from her, then d- d- danger minimized. I mean, really, unless she's just rolling downhill after you or something, in which case she's got the advantage. But how often does that happen? I don't know what I'm talking about. You were robbed by a guy with a knife? Yeah. 
Wasn't like recently, was it? No, it was when I was an all-night desk clerk at a motel in California. <laughs> really? It's one of the wonderful things that happens to you when you're poor. Well, the... And well, and here's the other thing. Have you noticed this? I, I just walked up and left this. It's all yours. This isn't worth it. You Take can, it all. <laughs> the, the devotion of the American worker. Have at it. Uh, Absolutely. Well, have you noticed that most of the people who get robbed in those situations are poor people? I mean, that's, that's if, just... If you're in a situation where you're open to the public in a major metropolitan area in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean there's nothing there to rob. That's the, the that's the sort of damnable misery of it. That's like the, that is the blind robbing the blind at that point because what are you going to get from like, you know, a Super 8 motel at 4 a.m. in Van Nuys or wherever the hell you are. I mean, there's $16 in some breath mints and the, uh, you know, like one of those We didn't have breath mints. One of those weird... We had free donuts for transients <laughs> if, if you got one quick enough. Was that on the sign out front next yes. to Wi-Fi? Free donuts for the homeless, also a sponging. That's great. I mean, this one-legged person will walk in and demand a donut every morning. I didn't know where he came from. I like the idea that a one-legged person would, quote, walk in yes. and ask for a donut. No, not ask. And, and then demand. What? Demand. And, and then he would demand some days for me to hold the door open so he could come in and get a free donut and leave. Okay. I had a, my own observation to make, but there's really nothing I can say at this point that would top that story. All right. uh, well, let's uh, do one more here, and then we will uh, uh, get caught up and around the corner. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbach from New York. Well, I hope I'm not grossing people out this early in the morning, but this is a true story that must be told. I was already jabbing at my uh, gum line earlier today. So, Well, an eight-year- I'll make this a five-year-old boy. He found a used condom during school recess, thought it was a balloon, leading his mother to worry that he may be infected with some disease. Where was this? Was this This here? is in the school playground in uh, the town of Lebanon. He found the condom on the playground at the Cascade School. Her son put it in his mouth and started ah! blowing it up. Ah! I told you okay, but I ahead did... of time okay, no, wait. that this is a news story. No, I understand <laughs> that. I'm not disputing that it's a news story, Tim. This is make a, it any more pleasant. information that people need to know. I didn't really, I should have anticipated it would go in that direction. So but... the school's nurse washed the boy's face and rinsed his mouth out with acid. He was taken to urgent care, as he should have been. And to uh, counseling, I would imagine. That's mm-hmm. a thing that – here's the thing. Even assuming that there are no health risks, uh, you know, there's no problems that ensue. How old was he? Five? Five. Once when he's he, – yeah. yeah, when he's around 10, uh, 10 years older, you know, when he's like 15, 16, mm-hmm. and his mom undoubtedly tells him this story, uh, you know, here's the thing. When he becomes a talk show host someday. <laughs> Once <laughs> the, he figures out exactly what it was. That's the thing. It's like yeah. it, I think we – look, I think we all need to band together right now and destroy all copies of this story and make sure that the mom knows never to tell him because that's the thing that when he's like – you know, again, you know, you start to be 13, 14, 15, he will think on that for the rest of his life. And every t- – you know, and he's like – someday when he's like 15, just trying to eat a sandwich, that memory is going to come uh, flooding back. So mom is watching the b- boy's face to make sure he doesn't develop rashes and lesions. Well, that's good advice for anyone, Tim. Jesus God almighty. All right. CBS News, giving you information you need. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, coming up next, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum talks about something that he could really be talking about a boil factory at this point. It would it'd probably be a uh, probably be a step in a less disturbing direction. All right. Well, we break the hard truths here. It's 503-733-2970. Steve Kastenbaum just ahead. More from Tim Riley. Later on, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show. 
Open your mind to me. Available anytime, anywhere. Open your mind. Visit KUFO.com right now. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is Friday morning. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Just ahead, more with Tim Riley later on. Aaron Duran of GeekInTheCity.com reviews Crank 2, which looks awesome. Uh, we will also have a, a pair of Queen's Rec tickets as well as uh, our final opportunity for you to see a private listener-only KUFO performance with Queen's Rec earlier in the day, sponsored by Miller Lite. Ladies and gentlemen, from New York City, let's welcome now to the... Rick Emerson Radio Show, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing? I am uh, fantastic. Thank you for uh, uh, bearing with us. And we're running, uh, by we, I mean I. I, I. I am late. I am running late today because because I was doing two things. Here's why I was running late this morning. A, I was talking about ingesting an entire box of uh, caramel corn, which really, now that I think about it, just seems like an even more wasteful use of airtime than it seemed at the, at the, you know, in the moment. But, I mean, really, it was just, let me ask you this. Where do you fall on the big uh, uh, caramel corn, cheese corn question? Oh, geez, my household is a, is a big cheese popcorn household. My wife can't get enough of this stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's quite. Now, have you ever do? Do you do the uh, the caramel corn uh, cheese corn mix ever? Yeah, she she likes the mix of uh, salty and sweet. So we have. Yes. I'm just saying that's a, that's an exceptional uh, that's an exceptional bit of uh, of culinary delight uh, right there. You could do worse than to uh, to spend your evening uh, just you know just. Uh, Sort of shoveling that into your face while watching Larry King talk about beating Ashton Kutcher in the Twitter war, which was the other thing uh, that was pushing us behind schedule today because I kept I kept getting distracted by Larry King saying things like, oh, Larry, this is Larry King last night. He says, um, I'm off to dinner. Everyone have a good night. And it's unclear. Do you get the sense sometime when you when you look at a celebrity's Twitter feed or whoever, maybe they have forgotten like they think that it's going somewhere else. Like they think that they're sending a text message to somebody, you know, like a yeah. sort of like you'll see something. It's like, yeah, you really ought to go to the doctor and get that looked at or whatever. And then you're like, well, why did he tell me that? Oh, I bet he oh, I understand. So it, see, especially because so many of these applications are all running on the same device. Like you got, you know, like somebody's got their their iPhone or their one handheld device where it's got instant messaging, text messaging, Twitter, Facebook email, probably multiple email accounts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, MySpace, whatever. And it just seems like a cat. Like if you have any of those devices, it is just a matter of time. It's not an if, it's a when. You're going to send the wrong thing to the wrong person, and it's all going to go poorly for you. So There are some interesting psychological studies going on right now about the effect all this has on, on us and how we're no longer like individualized people. We think that we're actually hyper-individualized now because we have all these ways of getting our messages across mm-hmm. to everybody. But in fact, we're all very much alike when you look at all of these messages and that you know, people just don't do things anymore because they spend so much time texting and updating their status messages and checking email and everything that uh, you know people forget to turn the computer off and do things that make them unique. I actually, I have to tell you that I, uh, two things. One, there is... A, uh, uh, I'm a, a recent a convert to the uh, to, to the Mac way of life, so I get this MacBook uh, in December, and uh, and of course, what did I immediately do? It's like everybody who gets an iPhone. I immediately you just immediately go to the iPhone store or whatever, and you're you know you're trying to figure out you know the, what 500 applications can I get for this? I was reading an article the other day. Somebody created a great little application for the Mac, and it's called I think it is actually just called Self Control, mm-hmm. and what it is is you turn it on, and it it blocks 
you tell it what websites or what like uh, programs or, or whatever files that you that you spend too much time on, and then you type in your computer password or whatever it is, and you hit start, and it actually just completely and totally locks out your ability to do those things or go wow. to those websites for up to 12 hours, and you can't turn it off. Even if you reboot the computer, uh, it's impossible to turn off, and so it just it actually just physically prevents you from doing any of those things. And they said it's because the guy created it because he saw something where the people, some guy was spending you know, like nine hours a day checking his Facebook status or whatever, which yeah. – I mean, and so I was talking to my wife about this last night, and I know that I'm like the five billionth person to make this observation, but do you find that you, A, spend about nine hours a day just responding to messages or checking messages, and then, like, the sort of misery of that is, like, at the end end of all of that, you're still not done. Like, there's still a big stack of them that unresponded to. Yeah, and I have a lot of work emails all day long that, that go back and forth, and it's like... Just come down to my room and talk to me. Yeah, you know? I, that's, yeah, I'm five feet away, Bob. Why don't you just walk next door? So. Yeah, and, th- and then the other thing that bothers me is, uh, you know, the unnecessary uh, reply text, okay, or got it. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't need that. Well, and then there's that whole thing of, like, well, who's the last one to, to respond? Do you know what I mean? It's sort of the yeah. reverse of trying to get in the last word in an argument. Uh, because yes, you, exactly. you get an email and you're like, I, I don't want to respond to this because then he's going to respond back. And then i got to yeah. say, okay, with a smiley face. All right. Uh, hey, it's it's interesting that you you talk about being a convert to Apple because uh, to Mac because uh, when I was at the Yankee Stadium yesterday I was in the big brand new shiny new press box mm-hmm. and one of the guys next to me had that new ultra thin Apple laptop that is, Mac laptop is it the Mac Air I think that's what it's called yeah and, um, I mean it's, it's 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 I mean it's like a quarter inch thick or something man you know I'm not uh, I'm not converted to to Mac at the moment but I saw that thing and and I thought that looks Pretty darn cool. It really uh, there's. I mean, there was a story that came out as soon as that Mac Air, MacBook Air, whatever the hell it was. Kristen, what is the actual? Is it the Mac? Do you know the the actual name of that device? It's that Mac laptop that is. It when, even when it's closed, it's I like think it's this. Air. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's either the MacBook Air or the Mac Air. I'm not of the Mac. And there was this. So. There was a story that came out. I suspect planted by Apple uh, that said that it was actually so thin that people were throwing it away with the morning paper by mistake. You know, sort of like, well, and I'm done with my newspaper. Where did my Mac go? Ah, crap. And it was in the garbage or whatever. And I uh, I don't have that, but I got a, uh, I got that new aluminum unibody uh, MacBook uh, in December, and it really is just it really is just one of the best things that's ever existed. So um, I, I looked at that thing, and I thought that I could pick it up and snap it in two or, or rip it in half like a piece of cardboard. It is. I, mean, it, I think it is deceptively uh, it is deceptively slender. I will uh, I will give you that. Um, hey, just this is, uh, I guess, kind of a great segue. I don't mean to... Uh, I don't mean to pile on here, but uh, so so this is the um, they were kind of I- I- inaugurating or, you know, or, or whatever the, uh, you know, the new Yankee Stadium. Um, and that it went sort of poorly because I guess you always like to start things off on the right foot by uh, winning. And that didn't happen so much as it did completely fail to happen. Everything was going well until the seventh inning. And then the Cleveland Indians uh, decided they were going to teach the Yankees a lesson. And here's the thing: you have to understand that I have like almost no sports knowledge. So, I mean, obviously, you don't want to lose. Period. But you know, the uh, but I mean, are the Indians a team to which you especially don't want to lose? Well, they're not horrible. I mean, okay, know. so it's not like yeah. you were beaten by like you know by like a little league team or something. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was a it was it's a beautiful stadium, and it, it, they incorporated a lot of uh, aspects that remind you of the original Yankee Stadium, which is great. There's a certain familiarity when you walk in. 
that that uh, you don't get uh, when, like for instance, at City Field was nothing like uh, Shea Stadium. Not right. that they wanted to emulate Shea Stadium with the Mets. Or uh, what's another good example? Like uh, Camden Yards for the Orioles. You know that was a completely different stadium when they opened it. But um, so there there is some of that there at Yankee Stadium that reminds you of the old. Plus they wanted to make it like a cathedral, literally. And they're calling it, you know, baseball's cathedral. And you walk in, there's this great hall, they call it, with an extremely high ceiling and, and big arches. And it's absolutely uh, awe-inspiring when you, when you walk through there. But uh, people are uh, not happy with the, with the ticket prices. Have you heard about that? No, well, I mean, you know, stadium, stadiums don't pay for themselves, Steve, because we've got the whole thing here where they're, you know, they're in this major league soccer team to Portland. And, you know, the stadium's going to cost like, uh, you know, $500 jillion. And it's, you know, and, and, you know, they got to make up that money somehow. And so the ticket prices always end up just getting uh, jacked up, which I guess is happening there, too. Well, jacked up is, is putting it lightly. Uh, the cheapest tickets uh, are definitely still affordable. You know, the bleachers are 14 bucks. Uh, the, the grandstand seats, as they call them now, are uh, 25 I think. But the most expensive ticket is over $2600 and you Jesus can God. can you you can be in a luxury box for 900 bucks a ticket really i mean for that much money i would expect them to come and play the game in the backyard of the sandlot near my house and then give me a gentle you know like a like a shoulder massage or something afterward Derek Jeter better take me out to dinner at Le Cirque uh, after the game for 2600 bucks. you know? No lie. All right. Well, uh, we're running uh, way behind here. So thank you for your patience, okay. my friend. Have a fantastic weekend. We will talk to you next week. Have a great uh, one yeah. yourself. Take, uh, take care. Gaston Baum, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent. All right. We can do this. Uh, on the other side, we have Tim Riley, who will give you more news and information. It is Friday morning. It's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Show. This is Guns N' Roses. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO, and good morning to you. It is Friday. It's 503-733-2970. Still ahead today, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com, also Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer, and our uh, final pair of tickets to see Queensryche uh, this Saturday, and that uh, also gets you a private listener-only KUFO performance with Queensryche earlier uh, in the day, sponsored by Miller Lite, the best-tasting light beer, triple hot for great taste. So we'll be giving that away at some point later on in today's show. This at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Portland Police, we are investigating the death of a man found alongside a jogging trail. This happened yesterday morning. We told you about this. On yesterday's show, the unidentified man was spotted by a driver on Southeast Nap. Authorities closed down the area. They were searching the scene and continued to try to determine the cause of death as well as his identity. The Stars Cabaret Strip Club in Tualatin will be open for business. The OLCC. Uh, we'll uh, give it the legal authority to serve booze. In a final plea yesterday, residents of the mayor argued the proposed nudie club would hurt business and strain local police. The license was granted on four conditions. They have to limit the amount of alcohol served in a container, one container at a time, security on duty at all time, and parking lot patrols. The once popular underage club, The Zone Downtown, is closing its doors permanently. It's best remembered as we're a 24 24- year old Eric Sandoval Avala opened fire on a group of teenagers. Oh, wow. I already, I mean, isn't it weird how you completely, uh, all of the, like th- that, we were just talking about this the other day, actually, with the uh, the Virginia Tech guy, mm-hmm. whose name I've also forgotten, um, that there is now this folder in my head called uh, Guys Who Went Nuts and Started Shooting, mm-hmm. and it seems to happen so frequently that I can no longer sort of remember all of yeah. them, so it just goes into one catch-all collection in my brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I like I remember that that had happened because I saw that story, but I completely forgot about him, which I guess is fine. 
So the economy is uh, part of the reason why it's closing. The other is a lot of parents don't want their kids hanging around there anymore. So business did not recover. Now there's a Craigslist killer out there. You know, just a matter of time. This uh, Craigslist killer is in uh, Boston. Boston police spokeswoman Elaine Driscoll explains why the suspect is called by that name. M.O. here does appear to be that he is looking on Craigslist uh, for women who are uh, advertising various services and various uh, services. going to their hotel room. Really? Are they are they, the services all that varied, do you suppose? Like maybe a little gardening? All right. Whatever. Dishwashing. And yeah, seriously. P- p- pressing pants. Well, <laughs> well maybe, I think maybe that... not. not... <laughs> How much just to press my pants? <laughs> well done, Tim. So uh, Sarah Palin's making the rounds, and, uh, well, she's just spitting out the typical Republican uh, claptrap. She was in uh, Evansville, Indiana, one of uh, where God's people live. She said some people criticize her uh, no matter what she does due to her uh, down-home ways. Some don't want to believe in spreading some goodwill from up north from the last frontier, spreading the positive Alaskan message of pioneering spirit and strong work ethic and the beauty of unpretentious living. Like her daughter does. Seriously. Then, oh, that, her daughter is really, I that, mean. That is unpretentious I living. To say, she when, sounds like Glenda the Good Witch. She does. She really, uh, when I was going to do the Glenda uh, voice, but uh, it always comes out like the Lollipop Guild. But no, her daughter, you can't you can't really dispute that. Is that is unpretentious living. Her daughter really is the common person. Uh, Sarah Palin uh, is herself a bit of a claptrap, by the way. Just, uh, just Tim Riley. Wow. I'll have to read this later. Okay. This just in. Tim Riley glances at something, then decides it's not going to be read until later on in the show. Later on, the print is just too small. We'll have oh, to wow, make it a little that bit. Is, that I is mean, small. Seriously. Is this for a mouse? No, that's... So this this article you're holding up, wow. that is, okay, that's that newspaper I told you about. Even though it's early in the morning. It's not Pravda, but it's kind of like Pravda. TheMoscowTimes.com. And it's, because don't you just instinctively, I mean, not that we care, because I don't really care if the news is accurate. I mean, I you know, I'm sure that the, the, the news department does. I'm saying for myself. I don't care that much. All right, well, there you go. So... Really, accuracy, that's like ninth. Uh, it's not even job uh, 12 over here, I, I would imagine, if we were to look at it honestly. The news from Russia, don't you, on the one hand, instinctively just disbelieve anything uh, the Russian news agencies report, even now in 2009? Yes. Because now instead of having one Pravda, there's many, many, many small Pravdas everywhere. But then on the other hand, I also uh, don't care because the stories are always wonderful. So that is great. Uh, would you like me to try to find that in a... Sort of Reader's Digest large print version? Uh, perhaps so. Even, oh. even with the light upon yeah, me here. To me, I'll, Thank uh... you. Okay, in all fairness, this is pretty small. Uh... Can you read it? No. All right. All right. I'll look. Christian, oh. would you like to take a crack at that Russian newspaper? I um... No, you showed me the print. There's no way I could read that. The... I, I, I will just... tell you what you're thinking about that. The, the World Trade Center uh, won't be finished until 36 years from now, according to this story. To what? The new World Trade Center in New York. But for how long? About 36 years. Until all the arguments. How long does it take to build a building? Well, they're arguing. First of all, they wanted to call it the Freedom Tower. And then they changed their minds. Who is they? Who decided? All right, whatever. I, why are we not? Not that I care. Why are we no longer calling it the Freedom Tower? Because uh, they, they were afraid it would make it a target for terrorists. So they're going to call it something different. That seems like a bit of the... Uh, Slavery Tower. The... The... Uh, the... <laughs> the we're not suggesting that it be called that, of well, course. No. I just, 
The, and tribute to those who. Well, never the, the, that's well. That's like that. Uh, the 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 thing we were talking about with the Kastenbaum, where he was saying that um, you know, the big problems they were having. I mean, they, we just, Why don't nope. they just call it the the five and dime or something like that? I mean, no one likes to say this out loud, but who? I, I don't think that they're really going to have a big run of people who are demanding to have office space in the new World Trade Center. It's just it's spooky. I mean, it's just weird, right? I mean, it's a creepy uh, idea. To think that you're going to be, uh, you know, up there and like wherever windows of the on the world or whatever used to be. I mean, it's just it's a little it's a little unnerving. I think they were just trying to push the project through so New York as a collective could move on, though. Yeah, but I think maybe I, I mean, look, I don't know. I'm not a New Yorker, but whatever. I it just it seems like it seems like at this point. Building some huge, and I saw the design for it, and it was like this. Weird, it looked like those convention center towers uh, here. Is that the was, corkscrew design? It was like yeah, the weird glass uh, thing, and it looked like I mean, it really looked like uh, that, like uh, something out of Metropolis. It, it, it exactly, or it looked like that glass clockwork statue that what's his name, Doctor Manhattan, makes for a uh, uh, Laurie on Mars in Watchmen. Uh, I mean, it was just this weird spiraling thing of glass and like, you know, and it was very glittery. And But it didn't really look like a thing that people – it didn't look like a thing that people would actually have office space in. It just looked like uh, it was just there for pure aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And it was also going to cost like a jillion dollars. And also they can't figure out what to name it. And also, you know – They call uh, it Frank. It's not, it's not like we've got – or just we, or since we're calling everything Colbert these days, maybe we can split the difference. Uh, since Colbert got the space station, uh, we can just call that like Serenity or, or, or you know, or uh, brown coat or something, and then you know, and everybody will be happy. So space will be available thirty six years from now. All right. So write it down on your day planner. Yeah. <laughs> Note to self. All right. Uh, it's uh, the Rick Everson show. It's Rock one hundred one KUFO. Ahead, more news from Tim Riley. <coughs> Pardon me. Later on, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Aaron Duran from Geek in the City. Dot com. It's 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO! Pop, pop, pop! Portland, the Rick Emerson Show returns. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Friday. 503-733-2970. Coming up in this hour, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Later on, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com reviews Crank 2. Uh, also, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. And uh, our final pair of tickets to see not only Queensryche this Saturday at the Roseland, uh, but a uh, entry for you and a guest to a private listener-only KUFO performance with Queensryche earlier uh, in the day, sponsored by Miller Lite, the best tasting light beer, triple hopped for great taste. So that is all uh, on the way. Uh, we are here with Kristen Bowie filling in for the vacationing Sarah X. Dillon. And at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. My, this is a bit bizarre. This comes to us from Myrtle Creek. A driver hit a teenage boy with a car, uh, knocked him up onto the hood, and then onto the windshield. And then gave him $5 to keep quiet and then took off. Was the $5 sufficient for said silence, Tim? Apparently, the victim told the deputies to walk down the city street around 6 o'clock with a white Honda with California plates. I see how, yeah. Let's see how this is unfolding. Hit him from behind, throwing him out of the car as he went down to the windshield before it knocked him to the ground. The female driver got out of the car, handed him 5 bucks, and asked him not to tell on her. She got back into the car and... Drove away. By the way, anytime anybody is giving you $5 and saying, don't tell anybody about this, you know that that is something that you should tell everybody about immediately. The victim said she uh, felt fine an hour after the accident, but then I began having severe pain in the back, tailbone, 
and left knee. The victim treated and released. The sheriff is investigating the crash as a hit and run. Anyone with information about this California driver is asked to contact the sheriff's office down there in uh, Myrtle Creek. Yeah, I was. I, I think it might have been yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, something like that. I was driving down um, uh, uh, Powell, and as I got to, I don't know, maybe like um, it was centered before you get to the Ross Island Bridge, so maybe like I don't know, nineteenth or something, because I hadn't gotten to Milwaukee yet. This. Like it was, it was like a mom daughter like duo of some kind. They looked, they it was sort of like, um, sort of like when you watch the Nature Channel, it was like the big version of the animal followed by the little version of the animal. They looked almost identical except in terms of size. So I think that they were, it was probably some sort of a family thing. But at like three thirty in the morning, mom daughter both big bleach blonde hair, jeans that weren't really kind of doing the job of holding everything in. Uh, and then like, uh, like identical black hoodies, both just crossing the street, no crosswalk, no sign, no, like they weren't at a, in the intersection of any kind, just wandering across the middle of the street. And of course I'm half, uh, you know, uh, awake at best and blindly speeding my way to the radio station. And it's one of those things where you realize that had I just chosen that moment to start looking around in the glove box for a package of gum or something that it all, uh. Then I'd be offering uh, ten dollars, Tim, not five. So, that being said, from the look of the women, I think ten dollars probably would have done the job, so to speak. Here's Tim Riley. So the latest vote is seventy-five percent of Texans would vote to stay in the U.S. This after the governor decided to uh, start trouble with his pals at Fox and his Republican hacks, saying that Texas should leave the U.S. and we're all for it. They should leave. I think they retained. Let's not stop them. <laughs> I think they retained. Go, get away. <laughs> You're soon to be taken over by Mexico anyway. I mean, won't be anything left of you. Go away. <laughs> that is the official opinion of CBS Radio News, by the way. Um, so I got it. I and I haven't responded to it yet because I'm a uh, because I'm so terribly, terribly behind uh, with my pardon me, <coughs> with my uh, my email. Uh, we were talking to Cast about about this earlier. That I've I mean, not to be this guy because then I start sounding like an old person. But I've got let's see uh, uh, the MySpace. And Facebook now, and Twitter now, and at least three different email accounts, and seems like there was something else. That, 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 let's see, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, three email. Well, that's six things right there. I mean, really, do I need more? So, and that's you know, and of course, that's not kind of like actual phone calls and whatever that you got to return. And I don't get any of it answered. Um, so I apologize to the many, 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 many. Many listeners who have emailed and uh, I'm sure you'll be forgiven. Not heard, uh, probably not, but that's okay. It's you know what in my heart I know I'm doing the, the best I possibly can. So it all gets read. All my email gets read. I read every single email, uh, even the disparaging email. I actually read that several times, like a sweet, sweet nectar of the soul. And I try to get it responded to most of it, and it just it just takes forever sometimes. Um, but I got an email from a guy who listens to us, a listener in Texas, and I don't have my uh, my my Mac with me, or I would bring it up because it's it's I, it's filed. It's only on accessible that on your Mac. Well, because it, yes, long story. Because I because I I use the Mac, uh, you know, for everything, literally, except when I'm when I'm uh, in here. I mean, when I'm here in the, in the studio doing the show, I use these uh, Studebaker. <laughs> Yes, this Edsel uh, of a computer. Um, I use bear. the Mac everywhere else. But when I download my email, no one cares about this. But when I download my emails on the Mac, I like this better than the parking lot. Story. They're they're taken off the server, so I can't access them in here. Long story short, it's a guy who listens to us in Texas, and he said that uh, he sort of took umbrage at our uh, at our depiction of Texans as as rubes. And we're certainly not trying to say that everybody in Texas. No, Austin's a great place. Is that way? You know what? Uh, and Austin, let's just be honest. Austin is from where we stole the Keep Portland Weird uh, mm -hmm. thing. Uh, Austin is the home of Ain't It Cool News. It's the home of the Alamo Draft House. It is where they had the Star Trek premiere. So there's lots of good things about Texas. 
But it was. It, but but this wasn't just some like random uh, nitwit off the street. This was like there wasn't it their the governor? governor. Yeah. Who was screeching about Big Brother coming down there, you know, and sort of taking away their rights and, and, and whatever? Their, their economy might be fine. That's because you've been well taken care of in the previous eight years by sucking all the economy out of the other 49 states. And I would also say this, just the idea that this is just my own personal observation here. I'm not trying to say everybody in Texas is, uh, you know, just a toothless bumpkin. At least 50 percent. Tim Riley is saying that. I'm saying maybe closer to maybe closer to 46. All I'm saying is. The uh, the fact that the governor feels that it is politically uh, safe to go on uh, television, to go on, you know, to be, really to be heard internationally, saying like, "Well, we're we're, we're going to secede. We reserve the right to secede." Which you have to admit, just on the surface of it, sounds crazy. So, I guess my whole thing is the guy. Like, if somebody from another state, like if somebody from Minnesota said that, everybody would be like, "Okay, Minnesota doesn't bother crazy anybody." Person. No, but do you see what I mean? How that statement would sound nutty if it yeah. came from anywhere else. So, and if you like, if you said that in another state, everybody would kind of look around and go, "What is this? I think he's off his medication. We need to have a recall." But the fact that he could go on television from Texas and say that indicates that he believes, to a large degree, that that message is uh, going to resonate with his constituents, which must indicate on some level. That a huge swath of Texans are sort of on the, we'll leave. I swear to God, we'll leave the country, which that kind of tells you, in my opinion, that is representative of at least a big chunk of the uh, thinking that happens in that state. By the way, here's another thing. Uh, Texas, I, 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 I didn't see the resolution on whether this actually happened or not, but Texas was like the latest state uh, that wanted to do this uh, insanity of jamming things into textbooks where it said that like – James Mason as God came down and created everything in seven days, and then like I don't know when that had like I a think it was James Dobson. <laughs> James Dobson, the James Mason as James Dobson as God, but they wanted to sort of stick the uh, creationism and, and evolution or whatever side by side in the textbooks with a big sticker on the front saying like evolution is only a theory, not proven, whatever. So which would make them I think the second after Kansas to do this, and anytime. It, just, just one final well, God observation. Does that, that, God does that mostly in flat states that just have dirt and no trees, <laughs> because God. that is the promised land well, of you, Texas. And you do get the sense that really, if God did create everything, he sort of started at the edges of the country and worked his way in, and he'd sort of run out of stuff to create by the time he got to, oh, I don't know. They're Wichita, the reason God Wichita. made Oklahoma. Well, I mean... Because you know, understand? Because he's like he's sort of like he's working at the outskirts of, let's say, in this case, North America, and he says, "And I will create sweeping, majestic pines that touch the sky like green gods in Washington, and in California, I will create steep cliffs of the sheerest rock, and I will create wave upon wave of beautiful water that splashes upon them, and then whatever you all have in New England." Uh, but then, by the time he gets to you know uh, Salt Lake, he just goes, "And I will." Darn it, we ran out of trees and hills and well, vegetation. All we have left is dirt. Have some sand. Uh, you know, and then he, and then that's it. You see also, uh, you know, uh, Nevada for the most part. Because really, I mean, when you think about it, Nevada does look like a place that is created by – Nevada looks like another Bible Belt state because it's just dirt and, you know, and despair and that's it. And there's nothing good there and nothing grows there. And the only way they were ever able to make large sections of Nevada inhabitable – was just to bring in nothing but sin. That was the only thing that was able to water the economy of that state. Um, what was my point? So Texas is there with Kansas in doing this insane uh, creationist thing in their textbooks. Anytime uh, you look at a paper and it's like only you and Kansas that are doing something, the odds are about 90% that that's a, that's, that's a dumb thing you're doing. So just I'm, just I'm just saying, this is my observation. Here's Tim Riley.
What were we talking about? You were uh, bringing oh. news to the people, and they were thankful for it. This is, uh, believe it or not, this weekend is the 14th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bond, 14 years ago. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, uh, some politicians are upset about this Homeland Security report saying, beware of this right-wing extremism. But uh, Janet, whatever her name is. Napolitano, I that, believe. I know. She ought to shorten her name. Well, especially because she sounds just like Jeanette Napolitano, who's the lead singer for Concrete Blonde. And but, every, but it's a different woman. It is. But every time you somebody says, Janet Napolitano said this in my head, I hear her singing everything, like bloodletting style. So she's not going to apologize, even though the uh, the Fox News people are awful upset about it. These are reports are issued periodically uh, through the Intelligence and Analysis Division of the Department of Homeland Security, and what they are intended to do is to give state, local, tribal law enforcement what we call situational awareness. What's out there? Uh, what do they need to be sensitive to? They're not intended to infringe on anyone's constitutional rights by any stretch. They're not accusations. They are assessments based on what's happened in the past, so people are aware of of, uh, the possibilities out there. So get off her back. Uh, the uh, this the story reminds me of you know we were talking a couple weeks ago about how uh, in the early days I mean at least the first few weeks of the Obama administration it was feeling and I guess still in, to some degree it does feel a lot like the seventies we were talking about gas lines and mm-hmm. how the economy is just cratering and the president's on TV you know wearing a sweater saying well maybe don't turn the heat up so much go to the bathroom in the dark. <laughs> okay, remember uh, kids if it's yellow let it mellow. Um, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it did, it had that sort of 70s vibe where everything was just unbelievably expensive and you would just see... Uh, There's no shag carpeting this time, though. No, no. I mean, I would say that they, they were... Or, know, or black paneling in every room. Our fashions are somewhat better, so it leads it to somewhere more, uh, somewhat more stylish recession. But it had kind of a weird 70s feel. But doesn't, and you just reminded me of this with that uh, sort of following the 14th anniversary of the Oklahoma thing, doesn't it sort of feel to you right now like it sort of, like it did in the 90s? There's a little like like around 94 or so, uh, right as Bill Clinton was kind of wrapping up his first term. And it just seemed like every time he turned on the television, there was just some jackass in camouflage who was standing outside like a trailer uh, in, in Michigan or something saying, you know, and he was always like some Dale Gribble looking bastard who would talk about how, you know, and, you know, the United States court under the uh, the uh, gold fringe flag has, in fact, no authority to try me. And also income taxes are unconstitutional. And, you know, in, in the, and then he was being handcuffed. And it's always some place that nobody would want to take over anyway. They're all it, it, these things don't happen in New York or, or L.A. No, or, or where people beat you to death for doing them. No, it's always Randy Weaver who decides that, uh, you know, his uh, like shack or whatever deep in the deep in the plush metropolis of Idaho, is so unbelievably valuable that the man needs to come take it from him because that's just how precious Idaho is. It's the jewel of the Northwest, really. So anyway, it just seems like an everything old is new again. They, I, was, I was watching the news last night. It was, I was having a little bit of a the, that thing in the sitcom where it says, like, do you remember that time? And there's the harp and the screen goes all fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And you start you remember, like, it's why I was flashing back to uh, doing talk radio in about 1995, which in some ways was a great uh, gig because people were just always angry about, uh, you know, whatever, like Bill Clinton in that case. Uh, but on the other hand, it was like every time you went to the phone, it was just somebody who wanted to screech at you about, like you couldn't get three words into a conversation without somebody going, what about Waco? And it's like, uh, oh, can we please talk about something? Can we talk about boobs, please, for the love of God? All right, we'll do uh, one more here, and on the other side, uh, we will uh, continue with the news. We also have a CNN Radio correspondent. No, we talked to Steve Kastenbaum. I'm sorry. We have a National Enquirer correspondent Dorothy Carcassari coming up later on, Aaron Duran from Geek in the City uh, as well. This is Tim Riley.
Two middle schoolers spiked their first period teacher's coffee with a vomit-inducing syrup. This happened in uh, right outside of Seattle. One of the boys was mad at her for repeatedly sending him to the principal's office. Apparently it was a disciplinary. This is in Auburn. This is where that shooting happened at the double wide trailer where the guy went crazy because his uh, his uh, adorable wife was allegedly having an affair with somebody in the parking lot of the cigarette store. Same place. <laughs> it's God's country, Tim. More of that. So uh, the boys took turns uh, pouring this elixir into the coffee mug of the teacher, Teresa Perniz. Uh, well, she wasn't looking because uh, she kept uh, sending the 13-year-old to the office when he didn't do his homework and he was getting mad. Is this Ipecac that they uh, they put in? Yes, it is. Yeah. Ipecac. Where do you even get Ipecac? And that's a great word to say, by the way. Ipecac. Ipecac. Mm-hmm. If you were stoned, or uh, perhaps if, uh, uh, you know, if you're uh, yes. on some sort of uh, prescription medication, let's say right now, that mm-hmm. uh, renders everything even more amusing than it might otherwise be, you just do yourself a favor. Uh, you just uh, say Ipecac to yourself like 30 times. It'll be uh, It'll be really some of the best cheap entertainment you've ever had. So this older boy had already been in juvenile court for exposing himself to a 10-year-old girl in 2008. Oh, wow. All right. It was only uh, 13. Don't they have a special... I was going to say, don't they have a special place that they send kids like that? Washington State. I was going to say, but it's Auburn. (laughs) It's usually Vancouver. (laughs) It's usually Vancouver if there are any openings. Bam! But there's a long waiting list. For the win. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I'm just kidding. You know how much I love the Couve. We're all brothers under the skin, Tim. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Rick Emerson. Oh, oops, are his niche. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Wow, that really was unpleasant what I just did. I just snapped my uh, uh, my headphones into the, uh, my upper lip. You're having all sorts of mouth problems today. I've now injured both sides of my mouth. That's great. By the end of the... I won't even be able to speak by the end of the hour. Jesus. All right. Well, for, so I'm on the right side of my mouth. I've got this caramel corn injury. Which is a phrase I really don't get to use often enough. Um, and, and by the way, I also had this moment as I was eating this entire box of caramel slash cheese corn, where you get to where we, you're within sight of the bottom. You know, like you got maybe uh, three inches or something left, which is still a lot of caramel corn. Now that I never saying it out loud like that, it makes me sound like a glutton. Well, what can you do? So, uh, but then it's like you don't want to keep it around, right? Because do you ever do this uh, when you're eating something uh, that is sort of uh, just, just like a junk food or something that is really, it's just a deeply satisfying food, but you know it's it's just it's bad, bad, bad for you. Where you don't want to, you don't want to leave just a little bit of it left because you can already anticipate that then you will find it very unsatisfying when you finish that little bit off later. In other words, like if you have like half a piece of pizza, you either got to force yourself to eat the whole thing or just throw it away because otherwise what will happen is you'll get up in the middle of the night or the next day or whatever and you'll be like, oh, that pizza sounds fantastic. And then you're going to be furious that there's only half a piece because it's just going to – And it gonna... never tastes as good when you go back to no. it. No, and it's, that's the thing. And it's just going to wet your appetite. So I just – you know, I had no choice but to finish the whole box of caramel corn. And then I get the, the popcorn uh, – I'll tell you this right now. The man who can solve this popcorn husk under the gum line business or the popcorn husk in your teeth, the guy who can fix that, that guy's going to make a billion dollars. It's called flossing. That is – look, there's no need to be uh, – there's no need to be spiky about things, Kristen. Flossing. Like anyone really does that. I do. I do. Twice a day. Like Rick Emerson really does that. <laughs> I don't. I think like most people, I lie to the dentist and then... Um, because you figure you're going to be gone in a half an hour anyway. Well, that's the thing. And plus, it's like... And don't you... When the dentist says, and are you flossing? Like, he knows the answer is almost certainly no, unless you're Christian or Tim, who floss every single day no, and walk to work braces. on a rainbow made out of bunnies. 
I had braces for so long that it just is ingrained in me at this point. How can you floss if you have braces? I didn't even uh, think. They have special brace floss. <laughs> Nerd. <With> like... <laughs> wow. I bet you were the most popular kid ever. Have no, you seen my brace floss? college. Yeah. Your life. Yeah. Boy, even your, better. Your life was fantastic. Yeah. Or did you, please tell me you had to wear headgear. No. I told them I was walking out if they tried to make me wear headgear. So, man, I, uh, I we know somebody whose uh, kid just got fitted with the headgear, and you know that's just like the thing about about the it's kid so with the headgear is like it just I, it just sucks so badly. I mean, I mean to be I'll be uh, very honest, I never had to have any corrective dental whatever. I mean, I, and I recognize that I'm very lucky about that. Like, I never had to have braces. I never had to have my my wisdom teeth taken out. Never had to have. I mean, I had fillings. That's about it. Um, I never had to have anything sort of done to my tooth line. You see, and I and I know that I'm very fortunate, especially coming from Kennewick, which isn't really like, it's not like uh, like proper oral hygiene is really like tops of the list in terms of Kennewick priorities. But the one thing they did have there uh, was fluoride. Uh, you know, despite the fact that it's a plot to put microchips in your bloodstream or. Whatever. I have it. Yeah, well, and I work fine with these microchips in my brain. You know, and you have. Uh, have I have you, command over them most of the time. Did you? Did you ever have to? Uh, did you ever have to have braces or anything? No. Did your teeth uh, generally very strong. <laughs> the best part is Tim didn't answer. He just made a really terrifying face where he showed me all of his teeth. No, I can still imagine what the grape fluoride tastes like from elementary school. It's. Did they dose you with fluoride at school? Yeah, they gave you a little pill and a little cup of water, and you had to chew it up. Which was awful because it was always the most horrible tasting thing, and then swish it around. Did you? And so you did. Your parents didn't throw a fit about it because I know a people. I know one person in particular. Communism. Who I, who I will that's who I will not identify. Who just scream? Yeah, the whole it's a government conspiracy. Uh, you know. And meanwhile, her kids' teeth are turning into powder. Uh, so I just the one thing. Let me just say this: we were talking about that Ipecac story. We could almost do a high concept topic on this right now about the worst tasting thing you have ever had in your mouth uh with of course uh, the proviso that it not be blue in any way um but the that ipecac story which is the, where the kids dosed their uh their teacher's coffee with ipecac and then she was hurling or something cuz that's cuz that you not smell that well i don't know if ipecac has a smell ipecac is that syrup i forget what they call it but it's a thing that is just it's a, it makes you throw up i mean it's so it's like if you have a poison or something mm-hmm. so if your kid swallows like ant killer uh, they give him Ipecac and then, blah, you know, it all comes up and yeah. then presumably he's okay. And um, so Ipecac is like, um, if you've never tasted Ipecac, like if they've never given it to you to make it, to make it hurl, if you've ever had tonic water, which is, you know, it's that, it's, you know, it's like that Schweppes tonic water or whatever. Tonic water has that stuff, quinine in it, which tastes sort of bitter. You know, tonic water has that bitter aftertaste. Uh, it's like a, th- I think I read a study one time that said that Ipecac is a thousand times more bitter than quinine. And my mom let me taste, she sounds like the best mom ever. Uh, she let me taste a little bit of Ipecac when I was a kid. Because was, it was Christmas. Because I, because I had been an especially good boy that day. Because it, she was a nurse and she had some around and I was sort of pressing her on like, what is that? And she goes, that tastes bad. It makes you throw up. Let me have some. At which, like, why would I even say that? What is going on in my tiny brain that it makes me throw up? I can't wait. Get me a, get me a cup full. But uh, she said, well, it tastes really bad. It's awful. And I said, no, no, no. I want to see what it tastes like. And so she just um, – she put out like a little tiny cap of it, and I just like put some on the end of my finger. And it was unbelievably bad. It was one of the worst uh, – it probably is the worst thing that I have ever tasted uh, in my life, ever, ever, ever. But, you know, a close second, it wasn't fluoride pills. It was that – it was that thing that they have you chew up. That like turns all the plaque on your teeth red or blue or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking? Do you ever mm-hmm. guys ever have to chew those up, Tim? 
I don't think so. Uh, maybe maybe this technology hadn't reached New England yet. They uh, it are these little tablets. They're like um, they're like they're like chewable aspirin tablets or something. But you chew them up, and then you rinse out your mouth. And what it does is it uh, it is a substance that sticks to and uh, colors the plaque on your teeth. So then the deal is you like you look in the mirror. And everywhere there's a red spot on your teeth, that's where plaque is. And they it's actually to- make a toothpaste for kids now that have that in. Really? Yeah. And that is something I can still remember what that tastes like. Also, one final thing. Here's another a terrible thing. It was cough syrup when I was a kid that, can I just, on behalf of all children everywhere, can I just make this plea? Either make the cough syrup taste terrible or make it taste good. Quit this fiction that no, no, with a refreshing cherry taste. And quit pushing bubblegum on us. There's, and th- th- that's <laughs> the I'll other I'll bring you in some of that cod-flavored cough syrup that I used to have when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, but at least that's honest, right? Wash it like down you, with moxie soda. You know what you're getting. What does this taste like? It tastes like fish guts. Now eat it. You know, and you're like, all right. I mean, it is just so unbelievably cruel and deceptive to children. It's like, no, 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 it has a, uh, it has the refreshing zing of lemon. That's never the case. It always just tastes like ass, uh, you know. But then with like, but with a, you know, a sort of uh, is that is that what it's marketed as now? Now with the power <laughs> of ass. No, it always says on the front something like great grape flavor. That is not the case. Yummy That's a candy. lie. Nothing that comes in a bottle that's going to make you feel better ever tastes good. That goes for booze, uh, by the way, if it says boons on the front of it. Because um, those always say, like, you know, wonderful hint of mango. And it really is just, it just tastes like uh, rubbing alcohol. But my mom would give me this cough syrup. And to this day. Did uh, it work? Well, maybe, but uh, who's to? I mean, who's to say? I mean, that's that is almost where you wonder if it's if it's like a psychological thing, where it's the um, what what did the the the, uh, the placebo effect, where like it tastes so bad that maybe as a kid I thought it must be doing something, and so therefore I calmed myself because I would get these coughing fits, and um, and I would just uh, I couldn't get to sleep because I was coughing, and it would in turn keep my parents awake and whatever, and she would come in, and it's like. And she would just put this crusty ass bottle of of cough syrup out of the out of the uh, the medicine cabinet, and then out comes the spoon. And it was probably a teaspoon, but like at the time, it seems like a ladle, like it's the biggest spoon you've ever seen in your life. And you have to sit there and take it in like three different tries. Oh, that's oh. that's the other thing. Your mom's like, take it all down at once. You're like, uh, I okay. There's like a drop left. She's like jamming it down your throat. Oh, so it's awful. And I and I will always remember that it was supposedly cherry flavor. And that was also a lie. It wasn't cherry, and uh, and it, it wasn't it wasn't refreshing. It wasn't crisp. It wasn't wonderful. Alka Al- Seltzer did that too, by the way. Just real quickly, Alka Seltzer for the longest time they said lemon lime flavor, and maybe that's true in some way, but it's just it's just enough of that flavor that like you notice how much the rest of it just tastes like you are having to have ground up uh, pain and chalk. Yeah, all bad things when I was a child tasted like grapes. So to this day, I can't not even grape juice. No, I am I am not with that. All right. Why were we talking about braces? Flossing. Oh, and then caramel corn. I injured my gum line with some caramel corn. And it's my own fault for being a glutton. It was a little bit of uh, instant karma. And then coming back from the break, I actually, my headphone cord got wrapped around my chair. It snapped. And so as I went to put my headphones on, I was putting them up over my head, and then they got yanked back because the cord was caught, and they went, and the spring-loaded action of my headphones clonked them right into my upper lip, and now the inside of my upper lip is all uh, bruised. So there you go. It's the best day ever. Tim Riley, what headlines are we uh, working on today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Portland's underage nightclub closes. Tualatin will get a strip club after all. Sunday will be the 14th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombings. Miss USA contestants will wear Jessica Simpson bikinis. Supermodel Heidi Klum and her husband are expecting a baby seal. 
Uh, torturing by putting detainees in boxes filled with caterpillars, using electric neck collars to slam prisoners against walls, just a couple of the methods uh, during the Bush administration. Uh, Citigroup does better than expected. They actually, well... What does that really take at this point, to do better than expected? I don't know. Is to that not ask for any more money. They went to the building this morning to go to work and it wasn't on fire? That could be, yes. Uh, Ashton Kutcher beat CNN with one million Twitters. Oprah has uh, 60,000 followers even before she even twits for the first time. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm quick on the uh, draw usually, but uh, Twitter. I barely knew her. There you go. All right. Um, Oh, you know, we should talk, actually, uh, at some point, we need to revisit this uh, Ashton Kutcher, Larry King Twitter thing, as dumb as that sounds, because yeah. there is actually some interesting, there's some interesting facets to that, that uh, that the mainstream media uh, aren't reporting, Tim. Speaking of you the mainstream know how they media, are. well, you know, they're busy just being a, a mouthpiece uh, for a nanny state. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking, I've also got this David Schuster Socialism thing to play. doesn't work. It's the creeping red menace, Tim, and it's in this studio. It's outside our doors. It's omnipresent. That is all on the way. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer, I believe, got called into jury duty. We just Greg just came in and told us that. It's like, yeah, she's supposed to be on, but I guess she's. I mean. Someone from the National Enquirer I, my, it, it, is, is deciding whether you're going to get life or walk. I mean, I, I love Dorothy and all, but really, why would somebody from the Enquirer ever make it onto a jury? In the, I mean, how desperate are they for jurors? It might jurors? be something good. Uh, well, I, and you know that. I mean, wouldn't if you work for the Enquirer, wouldn't you automatically just vote for um, whatever the most outrageous sentence was going to be? You know, like if he's obviously guilty, acquittal on all counts. Just, you know, just because. All right, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, uh, news from Tim Riley. Uh, we also have Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com, and Mr. Skin will be joining us. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. That's a fantastic song. Do you know that Rivers Cuomo uh, from Weezer carries around, or he did at the time. I don't know if he still does, but there was. Uh, I read an interview with him I don't know, a few years back, and it was right... After, what did they put out? I think it was when the Green Album came out or something. And it was like he'd got, because he went through that whole weird uh, thing where he was living, not in Beverly Hills, but in some, I don't know, he's, he was living like in the Napa Valley or something. But he was in this tiny apartment where everything, including the windows and the walls, was black. It was just like it, like he just, black carpet, black ceiling, black walls, black windows, and he just sat in there all day and just stared at the floor and did nothing because he was That's going totally a Rivers thing. Yeah, he was like in yeah. some odd place in his life. Uh, but he carried around. A three-ring binder that had all these weird, you know, the colored tabs on the side so you can sort of track what the sections are. And it was a book in which he wrote down the – he it, like he had a log of all of his favorite pop songs, just like how Benjamin Franklin used to keep a log of every single thing he did, when he woke up, how much he ate, what he drank, when he went to bed. Uh, and he was doing this with pop songs because he was going to put them all into a spreadsheet at some point and to try to create the world's greatest pop song out of this catalog of songs that he carried around with him, and he was trying to mathematically deduce the elements that would create the greatest pop song in the history of the world. And I don't even even know if the notebook was real. Like, he might have just been screwing with the guy from Rolling Stone, because I don't think they ever... It's like how McCarthy always had that briefcase. Like, in this briefcase is a list of 500 communists, which wasn't really there. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Rivers. It was just... Like, the best idea ever, so good that it needs to be in a movie at some point. There has to be some sort of, like, high-fidelity-esque uh, character who is doing that. So, all right. 
That's uh, Weezer, ladies. Who is, is? Did you say they're opening for Blink One Eighty Two? That's what the rumor is. Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Blink One Eighty Two. It shocked me. I, I was like, really? That's like how Green Day had to open for Blink One Eighty Two. I don't know. Maybe like in the Nimrod uh, tour or something. I like guess that. there was talks about it with this new Blink One Eighty Two tour. Oh, Blink One Eighty Two and Green yeah. Day. Yeah, no. but Green Day was like, no, no that's no. that's okay. No, <laughs> no, we'll we'll just be uh, the world's biggest band over here. You uh, do whatever you're gonna do. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show, sir, or madam, as the case maybe. Hello, Rick Emerson. Hello, Chris and Bowie. Tim Riley. Hello. Hello. Good morning. morning. I know uh, this would be right up your alley because uh, I know Rick Emerson's always been wondering what, what he's going to eat when the zombies take over the world. Yes. Well, uh, I found there's a popular uh, arms manufacturer in Missouri who uh, who answered all your questions, and it's called uh, Tactical Bacon. Tactical it's, Bacon. It's, it's nine ounces of canned bacon with a 10-year shelf life. Really? And so yes, this is uh, – how much could I expect to pay for this? Uh, $12.50 a can. That's not bad. What, now, how much is, I mean, so there's, as, well, uh, I've, I, uh, I've seen, uh, open cans, and I think it's about 60 strips of bacon. Wow. Uh, Some as, arm. uh, as Charlie Brown's sister used to say, there are 16 Oz's in a lib, so that is, uh, what, that is, uh, slightly over half a pound of bacon, and it has a shelf life of 10 years? Yes. Here's an interesting thing about that. Um, that I was at because it all comes together here. Because for the longest time, I said that Costco was where I was going to seek refuge during the zombie apocalypse, and I have I have subsequently uh, revised that opinion. I no longer see now. The thing is, but I haven't replaced it with anything. I don't have anywhere to hide out now. I, it, it's no longer Costco, but I don't know where it's going to be. Anyway, separate issue. But I was at Costco, and when I was there. You know, there's the little sample carts at Costco, which are fantastic, but it's always like little Smokies or something that I don't care about. There's a woman who had that pre-cooked bacon that you just buy like in a big bag, and you just carry it around with you. Anytime you want some bacon, right there in the bag. And it was really, really good. So I'm wondering if this is like that. Is it like a tin? Uh, so it's like Spam or something where there's like a metal uh, can? Because otherwise I'm wondering how it would stay kind, It's kind of the same can as like a Campbell soup can, but I think it's got the pull tab. Oh, okay. All right. So And it's called Tactical Bacon. Yeah, uh, want me to send you the link on your email? Yes, yes, I do, sir, uh, because we've had the bacon salt guys on here before, and then we had Mike Nelson on when he was doing his all-bacon diet, so tactical bacon clearly seems like the next interviewing step. Yeah, please pass that along, my friend. I will. Okay. Uh, that's whoever. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, Sean. Yeah, so Costco is no longer my uh, preferred hideout, but I just don't. And here's the just the, the, so people don't call up and ask me why. Why? Thank you, Tim. Uh, the reason is this, and everybody sort of, the people were skeptical from the beginning, and a lot of guys sort of getting up in my face about it, and they're saying that it was, I don't know, it's, you're, you're overstating the ability of those doors to hold back the zombie horde. It's not even really that. Here's what I realized, uh, when I was at Costco last. One small note about Costco. Great place. One of the, one of the, really one of the most American, uh, uh, shopping emporiums that there is. I mean, it really is this country in a nutshell. You know what I mean? Why buy it's one? It's a festival of gluttony. I mean, but, you know, and just like, and of things that like, you know, 10,000 cocktail straws, why not? Uh, but as you're walking in, they still do that thing. Maybe it's their trademark where it's like the plastic membership card, but it's like your picture as though it were done on a dot matrix printer in like, like 1982. It does seem like at this point they ought to be able to do like an actual – like a photo that doesn't look like a Shroud of Turin you, imprint. If you don't have a membership, you can't pay with your own debit card. That's like the yeah. Mormon church. It's the same way. Yeah. So yeah. I was at Costco and I was sort of wandering around. And, of course, Lara's trying to get me to actually you know, shop and to buy things that we need for our household and to live. And meanwhile, I'm just sort of staring around and I'm like looking at skylights and I'm sort of peering at the – and here's what I realized about Costco and the zombie apocalypse. I think – you're safe from zombies. See, that's the thing, because there are only a couple ways into that place, at least the one that I went to. Uh, there's um, two sort of regular doors 
and they both uh, are very thick and they latch very securely. So I don't think you have an issue there. And then there's the two big loading doors, which is basically like it's a garage door, but it's the big steel shuttered door that goes up so the trucks can come in with the goods and services at night. So you cased this whole joint. I did. Well, not case. Let's uh, be very observed. clear. I wasn't casing a joint. That sounds like a... Something out of a 1930s movie. Or something that's liable to get me spoken to by the police later. I wasn't casing anything. I was observing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, for the good of all mankind. So there's the loading bay doors, and those are fine, too. Here's the problem with Costco and zombie apocalypse. There are ladders on the side of the building that go to the roof, because on the roof, like 100 skylights. Now, zombies can't climb, but here's who can, you know who climbs? Other survivors. And those skylights are protected by almost nothing. They've They've got a burglar alarm. But the bars there are very thin. You probably push your way through those. So you're safe from zombies. But as soon as everybody else figures out that there's good living at the Costco during the zombie uprising, suddenly it's like every – I mean, you're just going to be overrun. And it's just going to be 10,000 survivalist guys who didn't think of it themselves. And then you're just going to have to start shooting everybody. And then it's just nothing but work, 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 work. So I, so I, Costco is no longer my go-to hideout during the zombie apocalypse. Is there a suggestion card that you might fill out to have those things remedied? <laughs> like a comment card. Yes. What are your suggestions about Costco? <laughs> Better protection from survivalists during zombie apocalypse. Under skylights like a- are inadequately protected. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from uh, MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database, our good friend Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. What is new in the world of nudalities? <laughs> well, there's a Russell Crowe Ben Affleck movie opening up in theaters today called uh, State of Play. It's a political drama. It's PG-13, so there's no nudity, but the hot co-star babe in the movie is Rachel McAdams. Your listeners might know her. She was in Mean Girls. She was in a movie called The Notebook. Uh, very hot. Uh, they'll probably also want to know where you could see her naked. Uh, if you go to MrSkin.com and search her, you will see uh, there was brief nudity in The Notebook, but she did a movie uh, Rick, which I'm sure you're, you you know, called my name is Tanino. Early in her career, and uh, sure. she goes yeah, she goes for a skinny dip, and uh, it's it's a very nice topless scene. If you're a fan of Rachel McAdams, it is the go-to movie to see her nude. Uh, my name is Tanino. She is the co-star of State of Play with Russell Crowe and Ben Affleck in theaters this weekend. Um, there's a superhero flick called The Spirit, which uh, came out on DVD this week, and. Uh, Eva Mendez, who we all know, uh, Smoking Hot, um, has a nude scene 51 minutes in. Now, it is just a backside shot, but uh, Eva Mendez's backside is, uh, is, is worth the 51 minutes uh, it would take uh, in this movie. She is uh, great. She did a movie called Training Day with Ethan Hawke That's and right. Denzel Washington in uh, 2001, I believe. And uh, uh, she had a, a brief full frontal scene, but I really uh, think people will enjoy this uh, maybe as her best nude scene uh, and it is the only chance to get a great look at her butt. The movie is called The Spirit. That is out on DVD this week. And also, you know, Kate, Kate Winslet won an Academy Award for The Reader, the World War II drama. And uh, not only did she win an Academy Award, but she was naked ten different times in that movie, uh, showing off everything. And uh, if you don't mind the fact that she plays a Nazi, uh, great nudity from Kate. And it's out on DVD wow. this week. Look, the sir, reader, I you, uh, definitely want to check it out. Nazis have boobs too. I mean, <laughs> let's do, uh, right. you know that's a that's a unifying element to the human. Yeah, I hate experience, to make so. any Hitler mustache jokes, but uh, plenty of nudity in this. So. Excellent. As always, you're doing the Lord's work, my friend. Thank you. All sir. right, Rick. Take care. There you go, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com.
It is the Rick Everson Show. It's 503-733-297. The, uh, still the company. Did I tell the, did I tell the story, the Bill O'Reilly story? I wrote this down on a uh, post-it note to myself. You haven't. What does it concern? Well, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things. I don't know if it's going to be as interesting, uh, in, in the retelling as it sort of was in the moment. Um, so I, I just uh, I saw that I made a note to myself about this. So remind me to tell you this brief uh, Bill O'Reilly, and it has nothing to do actually with with the real Bill O'Reilly. It really is just about me, and that uh, it, that meltdown that he has on uh, you know on the YouTube where he's all F it, we'll do it live. So I had the most awkward moment ever uh, with that uh, story and the Bill O'Reilly meltdown, and so I, I will tell that. But uh, coming up in the next hour, we uh, will have a news from Tim Riley. Aaron Geek in the City Duran will be here. He'll be talking about Crank 2, and we have another pair of tickets to see Queensryche at the Roseland this coming Saturday. Uh, that is before the end of the show. You'll also win uh, entry for you and a guest to a private listener-only KUFO performance with Queensryche earlier in the day, sponsored by Miller Lite, the best-tasting light beer, triple-hopped, a great taste. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. By the way, uh, Tim Riley just made uh, the greatest uh, reference ever uh, during this last, with like 30 seconds left. We <laughs> We're talking about Guns N' Roses. Uh, we're going to have Mr. Brownstone uh, coming up at this hour, which is just one of the best songs that's ever been recorded ever, ever, ever by any band uh, in any genre of music. I mean, it's just flawless. It's perfect. It is just one of the... We do this, uh, we'll do a feature every now and again called The Greatest Songs Ever Made, and I don't think we've actually done one on Mr. Brownstone, but we really ought to. I mean, it's sort of an ad hoc greatest songs ever made because that song is just as good as it gets. I mean, it's just it is just sliced, fried, distilled gold. It's wonderful. And so Kristen and I were talking about Mr. Brownstone, and I think Tim heard about half the conversation, and then of half that conversation, I think processed another half of that half, and then maybe uh, like understood about half of that half of the half, and it all came out as, are we playing Mrs. Brownstone, You've Got a Lovely Daughter, which is just exceptional. So there you go. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Riley is working on the following stories on this uh, Friday morning. A parents turn out a Salem boy for allegedly robbing a Taco Bell. And there's the gross story of the young boy who found a condom and thinks it's a balloon. Uh, and, and more about that later. 15,000 turn out to cheer on the Blazers at Pioneer Courthouse Square. You see that picture on the uh, the front page of the Oregonian today? That's here somewhere. Look at all these people. It's like a Barack Obama rally. That is massive. Massive. Now, I wasn't – I was downtown the day before yesterday, so I saw the you know the, the tea uh, gathering or whatever. Uh, but I was not – I kind of avoided downtown, to be honest, because I, I mean, it was, you just knew it was going to be a madhouse. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, especially as it starts to get into the afternoon, you're just like, oh, I just don't – I don't want to be – I don't want to get trapped down there. Because then you take – especially downtown where even now – I mean, I don't know how long – I have lost track of when they actually started tearing up downtown and when – I mean, wasn't it supposed to be done like a year ago? A well, year they and always half tear ago? it up for a new reason every year after they fix it. Are they still putting in the clack track or whatever that thing is? Just a bus, just a bus felons in from the outer reaches. Yes. And then on top of that, with all the weather that we had this winter, the roads are just bad. What with all the weather that yeah, we had? Yeah, the weathering. There you go. That's you're you're destined for a great full service show with that kind of uh, dialogue. I know, right? So what with all of the... that new train coming in. With... With people's tongues hanging out and <laughs> scratching with bloody handprints down the windows. Where do you think the train is coming from? Hell? I mean, why would they be scratching bloody handprints down the window? Is it like an Event Horizon style train that's gone to the uh, that's I feel gone like to the? I missed something. The that, that's what I heard it was promoted as. <laughs> it's that train from the train from Clackamas is just going to be like that train in um, 
in the Spielberg uh, War of the Worlds thing, mm-hmm. where it's like the little, like the you know, the crossing arms come down at the train, and then it just goes, and it's a train on fire that just shoots by at a hundred miles an hour, and then it's gone, and then the arms go back up. Oh, is that that's Clackamas? They're uh, they're on their way somewhere better. I'm so glad Clackamas exists because look, here's the because as I often note, look, it's not like my neighborhood is any great uh, great shakes. I mean, in the, in the space of a month. I, for, I've had my truck stolen uh, from my residence three different times now, and the third time my truck was stolen, it was less than a week later that I caught a homeless guy um, relieving himself in the most unpleasant of ways uh, in my driveway. So I, it really it, – it's, it's not like I'm uh, – you'll forgive the pun – living the life of Riley or, or anything. But Someone stole my garbage can. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that used to happen? I live, I live in Southeast, and well, someone you, took off with it. Do you it. suppose it was really just because they wanted the garbage within, and it was easier than putting it one piece at a time into their backpack we or whatever? No, We have no idea. It just was gone one day. I don't, I don't got no satchel big enough. Let's take it in the can. <laughs> that happened all the time at my rental, and my tenant would call, the garbage can's been stolen again. I go, go down to Home Depot and pick out <laughs> a, a reasonably priced one and send me the receipt. You know what they left, though? They left a recycling bin in its place. Well, of course, because what are you going to do with that? Well, was it a metal well, trash can? No, no, it was a torn up old plastic one. See, a metal trash can, and I still have one of those, by the way. And by saying this on the air, I know it's going to be stolen by the time I get home. So thanks. Just in advance to whoever steals the metal trash can, which, by the Welcome way. to my world. Well, I, here's the thing about that metal trash can. I don't know what that's for because I've got uh, – uh, I mean – you're supposed to separate things in certain days. Okay, I, I know, but no one does that. First of all, that's a that's a thing you're supposed Not to. Not even me. Nobody does. No one separates correctly because no one knows what kind of plastic goes into what bin. First of all, stop with it. If there's a five on the, quit with the five. Just why don't they do this? I mean, if they're really going to force all this on, why don't they just have? Like a big picture on the side showing you, like, just milk cartons or something. Or how about put, like, a Y for yes or an N for no? See, I was going to say like that. that, too, because, but then it's, but see, but then the thing is they're going to say, well, it's just sort of a binary state that you're, that, you know, that you're, that it either gets thrown away or it gets recycled, which would be fine with me, by the way, because it seems like that is a thing that would help the workforce. They ought to just have something that says, it, look, you're either throwing it in the trash or you're throwing it in one big ass recycle bin. And if it goes in the recycle bin, then you get some of these 12.1% of our population that are unemployed, and you put them to work sorting out recycling. Uh, and then, you know, and then they got to, like, you know, there's a recycling plant that gets made, and then it's industry and advancement and the world of tomorrow. And then it helps the stupid freaking broken economy and whatever. Because right now, you look at the bottom and you just see that weird, it's like the triangle made of bendy arrows, and in the middle it says, uh, like, seven, and then next to it a smiley face. What am I supposed to do with that knowledge exactly? And they've never taught us the system, oh. ever. So I've got the yellow bin out front. I don't know what that's for. Anyone? Yellow bin? No. You got me. I, I have I, no idea. There's a green bin. We have different bin. bins in the suburbs. Okay, what is, what is the green bin for? Yard stuff. Yard ah, stuff. Oh, okay, you bastards. But if that's true, what is the big brown plastic trash can for? Garbage. No, see? Bigger but, but stuff. I don't think that's true. Oh. Because see, why have, would it be brown? I have the green one, the blue one, which is for recycling. The yellow bin, which is we don't use It's a anymore. mystery bin. Yeah, I don't exactly. know what goes into that. Now I have two of them. Yeah. I oh, have, that might be for leftovers from a methamphetamine lab no, that I, you have in progress. <laughs> <laughs> That's Well, so speaking of methamphetamine labs, so then I have, in addition to all of these other things, I have one of the old school metal trash cans. And I don't know what's supposed to go in the metal trash can or if I'm even – like this is how weird Portland is. This is how PC this, this city is. I'm actually afraid to put the metal trash can out on the curb because I live in fear that that actually breaks some sort of weird uh, hippie recycling law that they passed here and that they're going to ticket me, right? 
No, 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 you're not allowed to use uh, metal trash cans anymore. I don't know why that would be illegal, but I kind of labor under this sort of apprehension that it, that it is somehow. But they still sell them, right? Well, they still sell them. Here's another thing they sell. You know, I thought they quit selling stuff made out of styrofoam. I didn't think you could buy styrofoam things anymore. But we have styrofoam coffee cups. Uh, I know when the, the fast food joints, they made a whole uh, big production of the fact that they got rid of those clamshell uh, containers for like your sandwich or whatever. I still see them around. You see them around too, and I don't know where they come from because I don't think you're allowed to have those. So the metal trash can, because I don't know what it's for and I'm afraid that using it is somehow illegal, it's just filled with like leaves and uh, and just like crap and I think ornaments from last year's Christmas tree and it just sits there. It just sits there and it's been full of stuff for more than a year. There is in fact a completely full trash can in my driveway that has been completely full okay, since Come early 2008. Come and take it. <laughs> I'm just, no, you know what? It doesn't Mark matter it to me. free, and it'll be gone by the time you get home. So you know what? If you've taken the Clackamas uh, uh, train and at some point in the future and you're looking for something to steal to take back home, you know what? You just come to my driveway. You can have that trash can. Take it back. Leave mine and, alone. Uh, take it back to Clackamas, <laughs> where your people will bow before it as though it were a golden god. Without Clackamas, we'd have to make fun of... Um, Gresham. Is that true? Or the Couve. We have three choices. No, I think But where does the flowchart go if you're if if it were not for Clackamas? See, I always go to St. John's. St. John's is kind of my default. If Clackamas it's isn't available. Gentrified, though. It, it's a city on the move, Tim. It is. You're gonna love the new spark of St. John's. Mm-hmm. See, for me, as a Portlander, I make fun of Gresham. Then if I were in Gresham, I'd make fun of Vancouver. And then Now why do you skip now from Gresham, why does it go right to Vancouver? Is that because you is do you feel it's unfair to keep it all in, in Oregon? Clackamas has Happy Valley and a bunch of upper scale developments. McMansions. Uh, well, uh, I suppose yeah. that's true. With well, the prostitutes you kind and of Gresham and Vancouver don't. <laughs> McMansions <laughs> with prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of like a, it's like the creamy center of the uh, real estate. No, if I was gonna if I was gonna go in Clackamas County, it would be Oregon City. No, no, that's good. Mm. Um and then I would say that somewhere – all right, hold on, I'm going to write this down. All right, so if we assume – and just because uh, we are here in a beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, so uh, just in uh, like a, a relative sense, we will say that Portland as a whole – we'll say Metro Portland would be at the, uh, maybe at the, at the top of this list. That would be the starting point perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if we start breaking it up in like southeast, southwest, and it's going yeah. to get ugly. Uh, so we'd say Portland. So then in the – okay, so in the Washington, Oregon ridicule flowchart, so Portland makes fun of – Gresham. So you think we go right to Gresham? Mm-hmm. All right. Gresham. Go right to the center of it all. <laughs> all right. Gresham makes fun of who? Vancouver. Vancouver. Or Oregon City. All right. Ah, we got to pick one. But it's a flow chart. It can go off in different directions. Uh, no, no, no. I would uh, see, but this, see, I disagree. Oregon I think City this... had the most people at tea parties the... than any other uh, municipality. Is that true? Yes. Well, I mean, so that, you know, but on the other hand, Vancouver. Look, what about Milwaukee? I... <laughs> This you is drive by that, that greasy hamburger stand sign. Now this is just becoming. I think I know which one you're talking. This about. is yeah. becoming it's way like, too. This sign hasn't been cleaned since the 1960s, <laughs> and it's full of grease. It's just becoming burger. way just too like complex. The restaurant. <laughs> Here's the thing about Vancouver. Vancouver has uh, it, going for it as well in terms of like a city that you ridicule. The fact that as Tim has noted, you can never get out of that place. If you go to Vancouver. Like, if you don't, that's why I got to have like that GPS with me. Like, 16th crosses 365th Avenue? Well, there's just, like, I don't the, understand. And there's no way, there's no, there's there, no way to escape from that place. They need a big sentence is way out, way yeah. out. There, a big, there needs to be a blimp hanging over Vancouver with a big arrow 
that just sort of uh, like Sims style is pointing down at the ground, showing you what direction you drive to leave. It's really frustrating because you can see the interstate bridge. You just can't get to it. That's I have. There have been so many times when I have been lost in Vancouver and then you're and then you're driving through uh, what is referred to uh, amusingly as downtown Vancouver, which you would think is such a bustling place that there'd be signs everywhere, like pointing you off to the various highway on-ramps. No, no, that's not the case. It really is just like an endless concrete loop that takes you by the same pawn shop five or six times. And meanwhile, as Tim noted, I can see cars that are pleasantly leaving Vancouver and going to somewhere better. They're waving to you as they're leaving. (laughs) And so I feel like Bill Murray in Quick Change, where I'm just sort of watching the plane that I need to be on fly away, and I can't quite figure out how to get from here to there. So Portland, Gresham, you know, this is clearly just a, this is a Sisyphean task. We'll have to revisit this at some point. All right, we got the first two steps. This seems like kind of a, uh, this, seems, uh, this seems like a thing that is really like an all-week project. And yeah. then we'll sort of create a map. And believe me, I have it all well, in my head. This, well, see, but you're coming at it from, you grew up in Gresham, right? Yeah. So I... I'm a bit jaded. I'm just saying, you've, you know, you have a bit of a, uh, you have a bit of a, a skewed perspective on it, as do we all, I would imagine. All right. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three. One of my dogs was born in Gresham, also. Well, but I mean, but now it's now it's in a I, better place, Tim, and not in the uh, creepy way. They bought it on the eighty second Street flea market, so to speak. Uh, let me read these zombie emails uh, straight ahead uh, this hour. We have news from Tim Riley later on. Aaron Geek in the City Duran uh, will be joining us. We've also got a uh, pair of tickets to see Queensrÿche this Saturday at the Roseland. Uh, that comes with entry for you and a guest to a private listener only KUFO performance. With Queensryche earlier in the day, sponsored by Miller Lite, the best tasting light beer, triple hopped for great taste. So that's on the way. Rick, about the zombie hideout, about any strip club will do. Most don't have any windows and usually one or maybe two secure doors. Plus, they probably have jars of beer and sausage and pickled eggs or beer sausage and pickled eggs to live off of for days and boobs. But those doors are really flimsy. But I think that really as long as if the door is small enough, it doesn't really matter if the door is flimsy. Because you got to ask yourself, like, how many zombies can really lean against the door at once? You know what I mean? Do you really want to push that theory, though? Well, I'm just you saying. You only have one if, chance. Like, if you had a big, like, that's the problem with Costco and those big loading dock doors. Uh, because if you get, let's say, 15 zombies across, all pressing on it, it's that sort of distributed weight where then the door will find, like, the weakest point of the door will then begin to bend inward and then then the exponential weight increases. So it's a geometric progression of weight on the weakest point of the door, and then the door falls down. If it's a really narrow door, it almost doesn't matter if it's that flimsy because you could only, only, only ever get like one or two zombies at a time pushing on it. Uh, this one says, Rick, about the zombie apocalypse, you need to hide out of the AMPM. They have those cheeseburgers you like. Well, that's true, sir. One can't disagree with that. How about like a store in a mall where they have kind of the gate that comes down over the doors? That's not a bad idea. So, like the body shop, as mm-hmm. uh, but, but see, or any pawn shop because those ha- have it as well. But the problem with that is that presumes that zombies are already inside the mall, Monroeville style, and then once that happens, then you're screwed. Because really, what are you going to eat in a Bath and Body Works? I mean, it's like it's like plum fig hand lotion doesn't really make for a filling dinner. But if they're trapped inside the Lloyd Center, there are plenty of other places. Just carry a couple cans of that bacon with you. That's true. I saw the uh, tactical bacon. That the guy was telling us about. It is, in fact, a sealed tin container of bacon that has a shelf life of 10 years. Here's the best thing about it. It actually says uh, right here on the page about this tactical bacon. The label says, perfect for hunting, camping, or zombie standoffs. And then the rest of the page is nothing but guns. Just guns and ammo and clips and sights and then a big tin of bacon uh, right in the middle. 
Uh, let's do a, uh, a couple of these, then we'll uh, get caught up. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hello. Yes. Hello. It's you, oh, sir. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, why are you guys disrespecting my Vancouver, man? Because I grew up in Gresham. I mean, I mean, apart from the obvious, or? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm sorry. That was but just... we love the coup. All right. So well, let me ask you this. So in Vancouver, if you're going to make fun of a city, where is the go-to town for you? Um, oh, good Lord. I guess Gresham. Like, it, see, so. It so, makes a full circle. So I guess it doesn't really. I mean, so this only works if you're in Portland. Because, for example, we said Portland, Gresham, Vancouver. So my question is, if you were in Gresham and you ask somebody, where do you know, what do you do? Do they also say Vancouver or it does it, in other words, is it not even so much a flow chart as it is, uh, you know, like a cluster map where depending on where your starting point is. Like if you were to ask somebody in Clackamas, like, hey, in Clackamas, well, hey, at least my sister didn't marry somebody from blank. I mean, do they go right to like, you know, do they go right to Malala or something? Vancouver could go to Salem. I suppose. Let's not forget about Milwaukee. God, this is just way too hard. I shouldn't even have, uh, this is just a can of worms that we're never going to be able to repack. All right, All right, to answer your question, if I'm in Gresham, I'm going Kennewick. <laughs> For the win. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All I'm right. from San Francisco, and I moved to this godforsaken town called Vancouver. I'm you so go, sorry. You moved to Canada? By the I way. Here's, no. <laughs> it's Washington. There's actually a Vancouver in the United States. Here's the best part, by the it's way. It's like, why? Was there a leftover one? The Did you lose a bet of some kind? The, uh, the best part is that you started off the call all angry and wanting to know why I was dissing on Vancouver. And it was literally, it was less than 60 seconds later that you referred to it as this godforsaken town to which I moved. So, I'm just saying. I actually was not angry. By the way, um... Um, yes. I am the first caller. This is Johnny Obvious, by the way. And you the are the first caller on the KUFO tip. Oh, this is okay. So wait, wait so when this show moved from nine seventy to KUFO, you are in fact the first call we ever took. Yes, I am. Excellent. All right. And I love you guys so much. You guys just make my day Excellent. every day. Well, thank you, my friend. Are you spreading the word? You're doing the God's, uh, excuse me, you're doing the Lord's work. All right. Well, uh, continue to uh, pass along the uh, news of this fine radio program to all and sundry. Always. Right. Thank you, sir. Take care. Right, have a great day. All right, there you go. We'll do uh, one more. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how have you guys missed Troutdale? Well, that's a good question. All right, hold but on. We haven't gone like, that far east. Troutdale. Troutdale's like suburbia. It's really kind of clean over there. Troutdale. Well, it's all relative, I suppose. Yeah. Troutdale. All right. Um, and then somebody said, let's see, I've got this email that says, uh, well, this guy says now, he says, are you going to start breaking up um, southeast Portland into various chunks? He said, are you going to make totally felony flats could. its own area? And then, but see, that opens up a whole different discussion because we couldn't, we had this like an hour long discussion about uh, two weeks ago. We couldn't even figure out where felony flats was. It starts at about 52nd. See, I said that and then Sarah just lost her ass all over me. She just uncorked and she doesn't even live in that area. It's like she lives, uh, wait, you know, she lives towards uh, Hawthorne. No, it's like from 52nd to about 82nd. See, I thought it was 52nd to 82nd and then there was somebody who said it was like 70, uh, 75th. And then it was like, you know, like forever. Well, like it's, it's it's growing by loops and bombs. It's, it's, <laughs> that's a, it really is. A, that's a Gresham and beyond. That's a place that uh, where there's so much joy that it can't be constrained by the previously extant boundaries, Tim. Uh, there was just uh, too much felonious flatdom to be held by one small area. All right. Uh, Troutdale. All right. Duly noted, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There you go. Uh, when we return, this is just on the screen. Eric from Clackamas knows who they make fun of.
It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Still to come today, Queen's Right Tickets, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com and more of your phone calls. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. Their genitals exposed when they walk through these new machines. Visit KUFO.com right now. Which does, by the way, make it sound as though it's the Rick Emerson Show cast and crew that will have said genitals exposed. And why not? It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Friday. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on in the program, we have Aaron Duran, who will join us from geekinthecity.com. He's going to be reviewing uh, Crank 2 High Voltage. Uh, we will also have a pair of Queen's Right tickets for this Saturday's show at the Roseland. That is happening uh, tomorrow. And if you win that pair, you'll also get you and a guest into a, a KUFO performance with Queen's Right. It's a private listener-only performance at an undisclosed location. And is sponsored by Miller Lite, the best-tasting light beer. Triple hop for great taste. It's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley is working on the following headlines on this morning. A Pierce County, Washington judge is accused of patronizing male prostitutes. He even threatened to kill one, allegedly. And I will have a Britney watch. Parents turned on a Salem boy for allegedly robbing a Taco Bell. Then there's the gross error of the young boy finding a condom on the school playground and what he did with it afterwards. 35, make that, well, thousands turn out to cheer on the Blazers of Pioneer Courthouse Square, a big sea of humanity yesterday afternoon. A woman is arrested for sneaking into Britney's yard and peeking in the windows. You would think that Britney would be able to afford a fence at this point. I mean, how hard can it be to get a gate? I, I, I guess they... They were wearing camouflage clothing. Is that Got true? out of the wall. Yeah, it's scary. Oh, that's okay. That's that'll uh, keep you from ever sleeping soundly again. That's what Ambien was made for, right there. You catch somebody in camouflage. She's a very serious-looking woman. That's a woman. I mean, I mean, you... I meant, yes, it is a woman. I, what I meant is, is that a woman? Camouflage fatigues. That's like she looks like Vasquez from Aliens. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't want to see that looking in your back window. That's that's no good. All right. Uh, real quickly, I do uh, have to have to tell this Bill O'Reilly story. So we've all heard uh, the Bill O'Reilly meltdown that happens uh, where yes, he, we have where he's he's you know he's doing the, the old Inside Edition show, which I guess from what like fifteen years ago or something, and he he does that. Uh, he's I guess he's supposed to go out with a a, a tag where he is promoting a new Sting song or he's throwing it uh, to like a Sting video that's going to happen. And I guess he's confused by whatever's on the uh, whatever's on the teleprompter. And then he just goes all mental. And the great thing about this clip, which I have just never gotten tired of, I mean, it's one of those things on the Internet that gets passed around a billion times and you hear it repurposed. Like there was a bunch of mashups with the Bill O'Reilly thing and the Christian Bale meltdown. And I've heard the Bill O'Reilly thing cut together with a Family Guy episode. But no matter how many times I hear it, it is like it, it never gets old. And the great thing about it is how quickly he just – it's almost like there's 30 seconds missing from it because O'Reilly goes irritated, 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 unbelievably angry. And then at the end, he switches back to, that's tomorrow on Inside Edition. So I will tell you the story that follows this. I'll just give you a little bit of a – That's uh, tomorrow, and that is it for us the original today. Clip. Okay, I don't know uh, – Whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there is. We are going to do Sting, yeah. Okay, but... Okay. Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. <laughs> there's no words on it. Any? Sure. There's yeah. no words there to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? It's, Sting is going to do... It's a video. Sting video. What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? 
to end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a... I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live! <laughs> do it live! I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live! Right. Thing sucks! Again. Five, and then switch it back. Four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. I Take mean, it away. And it's just, it, it is just like there's step one, two, three, and then it cuts to step ten where he's punching people in the face and climbing the side of the Empire State Building. And then back to step two. And then, and then he's back. at the, And that's tomorrow. Here's Sting. So uh, when I am not here entertaining the masses on this very fine radio station, Rock 101 KUFO, with this, the Rick Emerson show, uh, I have myriad other interests, including uh, Outlook Portland, which is a show that airs on uh, a, the network now known as Northwest 32. I'm sure you don't treat your staff like that. Well, here's the thing about that, Tim. Uh, so Outlook Portland is a show that airs on Sunday, and, and I host that, and I, it's, uh, it is the, the station formerly known as the CW, now uh, rebranded as Northwest 32. So earlier this week, I think it was a Tuesday, so I do the show here, I'm done, wrap it up, and I go out there, and uh, it was myself and Marcusito, and Marcusito is a very well-known Portland author, a retired opera singer, he does, uh, you know, he does some writing for the New York Times every now and again. Anyway, so Mark and I are there, and we're doing a show, and we're talking about Portland uh, arts and culture and whatever, and it's a pre-taped show, the TV show, the Outlook Portland that I do is not live, we tape it in four segments, and then they put it all together in post. And so you tape a segment. And then you stop, and then there's about three minutes where the camera crew resets, and then they get all the, you know, they check the lighting. Your and makeup they, crew comes out. And hey, they come and they. The manicurist. They powder my nose, and then they give my feet a gentle massaging. So you never look better. They go, but you're looking younger than ever, Mr. Emerson. That's wonderful. Would you like to be a fan with a palm frond? Fantastic. I'll have a small boy coming and do that now. The sushi will be ready momentarily. Please uh, don't feel like you have to make eye contact with anybody. It's beneath you, sir. And then I say thank you, and then we film the next segment so there we are. so i'm i'm uh, in the beaverton i'm at the northwest 32 studios and something some small tiny thing happens where it was like i don't know like somebody knocked over like a broom or something and this is not while we're taping this is like during the uh, this is during the the downtime between segments so we're, we're not taping we're not on the air anything i'm just sitting there on the tv set with marcus Cito, and i'm sitting at the desk and i'm kind of drumming my pen and somebody bumps into like a, a mop and they knock it over and then I think that everybody knows this Bill O'Reilly segment. I think everybody has heard it. And so what do I immediately do? I'm trying to be funny because, you know, I'm a neurotic compulsive entertainer. So somebody like in the back of the set knocks over a mop handle. And what do I immediately I go? Effing thing sucks. Effing. We'll do it live. And, and then I realized that everybody has just stopped and looked at me. And there's like, like the most palpable silence you can possibly imagine. That poor crew. And everybody just like, they all turn like Ren Hoek, their heads on swivels, like, and they all look at me. And I, and I, and then I realize that no one seems to be sort of grokking the humor. Oh, no. And, and then what do I do? Do I immediately explain it? No, no, no. I just do it again, thinking that then they'll understand what I'm doing. I go, do it live! F it! I'll do it live! And then, and then no one again says anything. And they're just, and I look over and Mark Arcito is just sort of looking down. He's like nervously fidgeting with paper and trying not to make eye contact. And I said, you know, it's that Bill O'Reilly thing. F it. I'll do it live. Everything thing sucks. And the, the woman just goes, I, 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what Bill O'Reilly thing? <laughs> and, and, and then oh, that, it's just that horrible that like wah 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 wah. And then so I spend the next five minutes going, no no no, it's this thing. It's on YouTube. Everybody's seen it. Millions of people. Bill O'Reilly. They go, I don't. Am I the only one who's actually seen it? Yeah, the, I've been led to believe that everyone has seen it. I mean, really, it was all I could do to not bring my laptop into the studio and like s- force them all to watch it so they could see that I wasn't just uh, A, insane, and B, uh, like a jackass. So then, then they're all traumatized. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, Emerson, he's got, it's gone to his head. He, uh, I don't know, he's become impossible to work with. We were thinking of giving him a whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> the... No, the uh, no Maxwell House has just dropped out as a sponsor. It's not going to work. I'm uh, so anyway. So the moral of the story is: uh, don't scream profanity at people when you're on a television set. Uh, and the best part, by the way, is I think that even though it was during a break, I assume that they're probably always rolling audio and camera. So probably somewhere in the Northwest 32 archives, there is now footage of me screaming, going, "Evan, do it live!" So you look forward to that being played. So someday when I'm running for senator, uh, that's going to get rolled out. And probably uh, this December at the holiday party at that very fine station. It's 503-733-2970. Straight ahead, we will get more of your phone calls. We're talking about uh, this. So we have this this flowchart put together. And so far we've got Portland makes fun of Gresham. Gresham makes fun of Vancouver. And then Vancouver makes fun of Troutdale. I think that is what we've all agreed upon. And, I mean, we sort of, for our purposes here, it's like we, we have to have Portland as the starting point because otherwise then it becomes it, like this cloud computing thing where there there really is, really, Vancouver makes fun of Camus, so Nibbler says it's Camus. Well, let's get one, and then we'll, uh, and we'll uh, get caught up higher on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Hello? Hello there. You're on the air speaking to thousands of people. I know you're there because I can hear sounds coming from the other. Look, I don't go. Whatever city you're from, they're next on the list. Hello. Hi. How are you today? Hi. Sorry. Hi. Hey, who's this? This is Josie. Josie, are you from Gresham by chance? I'm actually originally from Hermiston. Wow. <laughs> is that the radioactive watermelon place? That is, Tim. And uh, there's also, uh, well, I'm uh, not unlike Umatilla. Wait, isn't, is there a place in Hermiston where they burn nerve gas? You know, like where they dispose uh, the, of nerve gas? The depot, yeah. It's about 10 miles outside of. Yeah, we, so. We basically, we've got Hanford up north, and then we've got uh, the depot down south. So, so. there's a, yeah, so you've got like a, yeah, you've got a, something a, for the whole family. Nuclear. We glow. You're, you, and not in a healthy way, and not with <laughs> beauty or joy, although I'm sure that occasionally that's true. So you've got nuclear waste on one side, and then they're burning mustard gas uh, on the other side of you. So it's pretty much all the fun is centered in uh, in Hermiston. Yeah, Exactly. All right, so uh, so you are from Hermiston. Uh, yeah. So what is it? What are your thoughts on this? Well, actually, I was just curious what your thoughts. What, what your you know, since you're from Kennewick, who do you make fun of? Uh, I know, would... we we've got Pendleton. You've got uh, probably one of two places. I mean, it depends on how you want to go. If you're from Kennewick, we always used to make fun of uh, of Walla Walla just because the prison was there. And you got to figure any time where the biggest industry is like uh, keeping rapists in cages, you know, maybe not like the greatest town on earth. But also in Kennewick, we would make fun of a very small place that almost no one has heard of, a place called Washtuckna. Ah, on the way to Pullman. Yeah, see, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, Washtuckna and sometimes Ritzville. And Ritzville is a place that exists primarily so they can have, uh, uh, you know, like a holding spot for the truck stop. Uh, my my father was born there. Oh, see, so you know what I'm talking yeah, about. I totally yeah. Yeah, so Kennewick, in my opinion, probably goes Washtuckna 
If Washtucken is unavailable for ridicule, I would say Ritzville. That would be my assessment. So I have okay. a question. Yeah. All if- right. Being from Kennewick, would uh, Spokane be the big city? Yes, yes, it is because really? because Spokane. I'm glad you asked me that, um, Josie. Thank you so much. Are you uh, spreading the word about this very fine radio show? Yes, in fact, I was. You are such a blessing because now our morning commute. My husband actually wants to get up in the morning, and we get wake up to you on the alarm clock. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, All no right. problem. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. All right. Call uh, us anytime. Good. There you go. Attention, advertisers. You, too, can reach this fantastically intellectual demographic, and I'm not saying that in an an, uh, Eddie Haskell uh, kind of way. Right there. That's what I'm talking about. That's a woman who knows morning motivation. Um, So, no, Spokane, if you're growing up in uh, in Kennewick, um, because Spokane is – that is the second biggest city in Washington State. And that's how you – and that's how Spokane always positions themselves, by the way. Because I lived in Spokane uh, for many years. And people say, no, 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 you know, we are uh, we are second only to Seattle in terms of size and population. Like that adds polish to it. <laughs> what does that even mean? You're second to Seattle. I mean, that's like saying that if all the other countries were somehow removed from the earth and there was just Seattle and there was like uh, like and there was like Kanab, Utah, that therefore Kanab, we're the second biggest city in the world. You know, I mean, it doesn't somebody's got to be second. It doesn't really matter how small you are. So, so it's like, uh, how can we keep them down to Kennewick once they've seen Spokane? Yeah, that's I. So when I I had this whole um, thing when I was a kid because you in radio you were always kind of thinking about like, well, where where can I take my career next? What is the next rung on the ladder? Uh, and so Kennewick seemed to me to be the starting point because that's where I was born. Fine, you're in Kennewick, but even in Kennewick, I'm like, okay, I'm on the tiny station. I'm on the slightly bigger station. I'm on the biggest station in Kennewick, Washington. Behold my glory. Then I thought, all right, Spokane. And then from Spokane, I figured Seattle, which seemed like a logical step at the time. And in retrospect, that's just crazy because Seattle, I think, when I was growing up, was like, I don't know, it was Radio Market 11 or something. Spokane it's was 14 now. 14? Yeah, Spokane was marked at 155. So I somehow just figured it was a natural progression, though. Why? Spokane, second biggest city in Washington state. So final thought on Spokane is this. Look, it, it, there there does come a point where the mall can't be the cultural epicenter of, of your city. All right? I mean, look, at some point you have to figure out, like, like one painting somewhere, maybe. Like maybe a small sculpture uh, of some kind. Look, maybe a museum of malls, Instead but a museum. It's an ode of commercialism. Yeah, all or to everything. Commercialism it's like it. when you go to Salt Lake. Uh, the temple is at the center of the city, and everything radiates outward. You go to Spokane. Everything is about the mall. The mall is the geographic and intellectual uh, ground zero of that entire city, and that everything spreads out from there. So, all right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Still to come, we have Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. And just ahead, news with Tim Riley. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming along. It is Friday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. That was a big deal downtown yesterday at Pioneer Courthouse Square. 15,000 Blazer fans turned out. Why, it looked like a Barack Obama pep rally. There were tons of people there. All the tickets went very, very quickly. From uh, Lebanon comes word in Lebanon, Oregon, a five-year-old boy found a used condom during a recess and treated it as a balloon, leading his mother to worry he may have been infected with a dangerous disease. He found the condom lying in the school playground. He's five years old. 
blew it up like a balloon, and then uh, brought it inside the class, kind of a show-and-tell type of thing. Uh, so uh, the playground at school is not completely fenced. Well, what can they do, really? School officials say children's safety is their main priority. Meanwhile, the mom says she's watching her son's face to make sure he doesn't develop rashes or lesions. I'm just picturing her staring relentlessly at the kid while he's trying to put together like a jigsaw puzzle or something. The, also, uh, you know, in other news, I guess we know where the place to go for... Uh for maybe lovers who find uh, no other trysting spot is in Lebanon. The school playground. Apparently, school playground is the, uh, that's the happening spot for forbidden love. A Pierce County judge is accused of harassing and patronizing prostitutes, some of them underage, and then threatening to kill one of them. Judge Michael Hetch has been accused of being engaged in inappropriate behavior, namely patronizing prostitutes. And apparently he, uh, he hired them to come to his uh, chambers one of them turned out to be underage. He may lose his job as judge. It seems like any one of those things is bad, but really it just it reaches such uh, like Aristotelian proportions there where it's like underage and threatening and threatening to kill. And, ooh, by the way, they're coming to your chambers. Mm-hmm. That's one of those times where you don't, uh, for the sake of convenience, have them come your way. You, uh, you just agree to, uh, you know, you agree to go wherever they are. I believe it's going to be uh, hard for him to beat these charges. I would imagine so. Time for a Britney watch, which we haven't done. It should be up on the board there somewhere. Here's your Britney watch for Friday. To the dulcet tones of Nickel Arcade, we begin today's Britney Watch. Tim Riley. It's in two parts. First, the most dramatic moment at the Britney Spears concert in Los Angeles last night wasn't the performance. It was right before the show when some dude got up on stage and popped the question. In front of the giant crowd, the brave dude called his girlfriend on stage and proposed, and she said, yes. As far as the concert went, there are spies all over the place and no other craziness to report. Part two. This happened at Britney's house in Calabasas. A woman decked out in camouflage fatigues and carrying a backpack with video cameras was arrested this morning for sneaking into Britney's private Calabasas community and peeking in her windows. The whole thing uh, went down when the private security noticed 26-year-old Miranda Tozia Robbins acting suspiciously outside the house. According to the report, security asked her to leave, but the woman balked at the request and had to be physically escorted off the property. Sheriffs arrived shortly after and took her to a local police station where she was booked on charges of trespassing and disorderly conduct. Her bail only set at $5,000. Of course she's going to come back. She's been released on a citation. Is she, now, is this like a, um, was this like a crazy stalking or was this just uh, like, uh, I don't know, is she just a big fan or is this the, hey, I'm secretly Mrs. Brittany, like mm-hmm. that Letterman this is, woman? This is kind of strange because she's wearing camouflage fatigues. Well, and I'm looking at the, uh, I saw the, the photo of that woman and she's uh, very intense looking. She is. Uh, she looks, uh, very determined. And like a man. I mean, that's really it. I mean, she just looks like a really butch guy uh, who's very muscular and could probably beat you into a fine powder. So, really, that coupled with the fatigues, um, you just give her a gun and have her uh, take care of some xenomorphs, really. All right, there's your uh, double Britney watch yes, for is. Friday on the Rick Emerson Show.
There's Nickel Arcade, ladies and gentlemen. Vodka in heaven. Britney's song. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. I'll get a call here. We will uh, get caught up on the other side. Aaron Duran will join us from geekinthecity.com to review Crank 2. Uh, and we will also have uh, today's top five, the top five uh, pro wrestling entrance songs. Uh, coming up in the next hour. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hey. 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 I just called because I am from Walla Walla, and this is the first show I heard of yours. And I hear some guy ripping on Walla Walla, and I had to call and represent. All right. Well, b b let's all uh, remember here that it is relative because while you are from Walla Walla, I am, in fact, from, and not even a good part of Kennewick. I really am well, from one of the... Is there a good part of Kennewick? No. No, okay. the good the good part of Kennewick is like that new Kennewick Paris, uh, you know, suburb that they're going to open. Right, that nobody uh, you know. can afford. Yes. Right. Well, in Walla Walla, we used to rip on Dixie, which is way up in the Blue Mountains, and there's like 60 people that live there, and they're all farmers that wear, you know, overalls and John Deere caps. So, so it's it is the Appalachians of uh, of Washington. Pretty much, you hear the Deliverance theme song as you drive through. <laughs> the well, that was my thing about Washtucna because. I remember that it was actual news uh, in the Tri-City Herald, which is the paper of record for Kennewick, that they actually had a story, which sounds made up. And I mean, it seems like one of those fake sort of uh, like toothless rube stories that you see in like an, like an Andy Griffith episode or something. But there was a story about when Washtuckna finally decided to gather sufficient uh, civil, uh, you know, civic funds to put in a stop uh, light. Because there were no stoplights anywhere, and it was like a big deal. And they, you know, it was like where they had like local celebrity so and so who's right. like, you know, who's like a guy that runs a fruit stand somewhere who comes in and cuts a ribbon to turn on the stoplight in Washtucna. Right. Well, so. have you ever heard of Lind, Washington? Lind, where they do they do the combine um, demolition derby every year. Uh, that's their claim to fame. Is that Lind L I N D? Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if I had to go there once. I think it's I might have. Scary. I, I think I might be confusing that with the, the Pullman, where they do the. I mean, not that the towns are all that similar, but Pullman, where they do that lentil festival every year. Yeah, yeah, but, that's Pullman, and Lynn just has the Combine Demolition Derby every summer. But the Combine Demolition Derby is kind of interesting because you're taking two things that are inherently uh, unsafe and just merging them to create one unbelievably dangerous thing. Because a combine right. is just a bunch of whirling blades. I mean, it, well, that's what we love best in Eastern Washington. If we can make something more deadly, we will. Well, if you don't have cable, you've got to make your own fun. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Uh, well, now I live in Vancouver, and I just wanted to say that I work in Longview, and we make fun of Longview constantly. Excellent. All right. So Longview. Yeah. So in Longview, it's really a uh, kind of a, an inward loathing. It's all uh, it's turned against oneself. Yeah, they're pretty much self loathers there. All right, uh, Jerry. How did you uh, discover this very fine radio show? on the way home. All right. I well, just moved here and picked you guys up. All right. Well, please spread the word. You call us anytime. Oh, I will. Thanks a lot. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, Jerry right there. All right. It's 503-733-2970. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Just ahead, Aaron Duran reviews Crank 2, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll also have a pair of Queensryche tickets we're going to be giving away sometime before the end of the show. Let's come along with a private listener-only KUFO performance you and a friend will attend. Sponsored by Miller Lite, the best tasting light beer, triple hopped for great taste. It's all on the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Come on! How great is that? The answer is, it's the greatest thing you've ever heard. And damn, that's a great song. Uh, written uh, solely by Izzy Stradlin, by the way. Uh, the most talented member of Guns N' Roses, or despite what anybody else might tell you. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101, KUFO, and good morning 
to you. Straight ahead, Aaron Duran will uh, be here to talk about uh, Crank 2 High Voltage, which uh, premieres today in theaters. Later on the day, we've got the uh, second pair of, or I guess rather the uh, final pair of tickets uh, to Queensryche at the Roseland. Uh, but then as a uh, sort of an accompaniment to that, you and a guest will go to see a private listener-only KUFO performance at an undisclosed location earlier in the day. So that is fantastic. This at the news desk is Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. A driver hit a teenage boy with their car, knocked him into the hood, then onto the windshield and gave him $5 and asked him not to tell anybody, and then took off. The victim told the deputies, walked down the street, and a white Honda with California plates, what else, hit him from behind, threw him out of the car, so it onto the windshield and knocked him to the ground. The female driver gets out heads of $5 and tells him, Please don't tell. Five dollars? Five dollars. You would think, I mean, I wonder if it was just like the low amount of the bribe that offended him. You know, like if it fifty dollars. Let me ask you this, Tim. Yeah. If uh, if somebody hit you with their car, but let's say it was just it's like. happened before. Somebody hit you with their car again. And maybe we're not talking about a serious injury, no broken bones. Maybe, um, maybe a skinned elbow, you tear the knee in your pants. How much uh, above and beyond the cost of the pants, how much money would it cost uh, for you to not uh, tell the man? What would it take? Hundred bucks? Oh, more than that. Three hundred dollars in cash. Okay. So for three, so for three hundred dollars, you would and agree. And a certificate from the Gap to buy, <laughs> to buy some new jeans. Three hundred dollars and a card to Banana Republic, and we're fine, ma'am. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, meanwhile, uh, a man is panic stricken, calls nine one one, reports that his wife is bleeding all over the bathroom and doesn't know what to do. Yeah, you're get nine one one. Yes, ma'am. Um, my wife is in the bathroom. Um, she's bleeding all over the place. Um, she thinks she's having a baby. Oh my God, Jerry, get on the. She's in the bathtub. She's having the baby. She's having. I think she's having labor right now. Okay. Paul Anka going to Oh my God, I can't hear you, ma'am. Oh my God, I'm looking at a baby. Okay, hold on. Oh my God. Okay, hold on. She's pregnant. You didn't know she was pregnant. No. No. Okay. I had no idea my wife was pregnant. Okay. Wow. Oh, my God. My wife is holding a baby. I had no idea my wife was pregnant. Okay. I'm from Walla Walla. How old is she? She's 27 years old. We got, um, she's she just got, delivered. She's had three children. Two are mine. One is before me. She, she's fine. It's a, oh, my God. I'm looking at a baby. Okay. Calm down. Okay. It's a boy. Uh, how? Pass out the cigars. I don't know. That, uh, Wait, is this a, was she, um, is this one of those things where it's like the woman has the 800 pound cyst and she doesn't notice it because she's a woman of larger carriage, do you suppose? Is that the, is that the deal uh, here? I would say that that is more than likely in this case. I mean, it, like, unless the baby, unless it was like some comically small baby or something and that's why she didn't notice it. I mean, it's like how, can you play, can you play just that again, just up to the point where the first time he says, oh my God, I'm looking at a baby. Uh-huh. It's, it, it's like he were to say, oh my God, the great gazoo just appeared in my bathroom. Carrie, you're getting nine one one. Yes, ma'am. Um, my wife is in the bathroom. Um, she's bleeding all over the place. Um, she thinks she's having a baby. She's having oh my, my God, baby. Carrie, get on the, she's ha- in the bathtub. She's having the baby. I think she's having labor right now. Okay. Oh my God, I can't hear you, ma'am. Oh my God, I'm looking at a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. You bet. Wow. Oh, man. I love this show. We need that Paul Nika song. Everything about it. Uh, I think I've actually, hold on, let's see. Uh, do we have, um, uh, right here, this is, uh, I, I gotta put, I'll create some uh, master mix of that. I'll, uh, I'll kind of put all these, the. 
911. Yes, ma'am. Um, my wife is in the bathroom. Um, she's bleeding all over the place. Um, she thinks she's having a baby. Oh my God, Jerry, get on the bathtub. She's having the baby. I think she's having labor right now. Okay. Oh my God, I can't hear you, ma'am. Oh my God, I'm looking at a baby. Win. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Now, to, uh, I feel that we got to do one more here, and here's why. To but balance out. <laughs> see, and this, is, and this is from Russia with, not love. love, but sort of a, like a forced love. It's like from Russia with love or else or at gunpoint. This is to balance out uh, that hideous story that we had earlier about the kid uh, finding the rubber and sticking it in his, in, his, in his face, in his mouth, which is just like the worst thing that has ever been broadcast. Uh, and, and I'm including that show, Joey. I mean, it's just the worst. I mean, just hearing uh, that story. Joey is on hiatus. It'll it, be back. Really? Is that like how Bill Gates is still enrolled at Harvard? Mm -hmm. um, so that story was just, it was necessary. It was, of course, a matter of public health uh, that we broadcast that news. But it was uh, all. Well, we don't want children roaming around doing these things. No, of course not, Tim. Uh, so to balance that out, uh, we have this story, which is uh, perhaps also traumatic, but uh, not to us. So that's what matters. This is uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. This comes to us from Life.ru, which means life in Russia. The headline is a hairstylist keeps an armed robber as a sex slave. Is life in Russia like life in these United States? I suppose so, yes. All right. The events unfolded on the evening of March 14th as the stylist was wrapping up her shift in the salon in the Kaluga region. The robber, a 32-year-old man identified as Victor, burst into the salon around 5 p.m., waving a pistol, ordering all the stylists and clients to hit the floor and toss them their money. At this point, 28-year-old Olga, who Life.ru describes as a delicate girl, uh -huh. trained in martial arts, was apparently still standing when she offered to hand over the cash. But when Victor tried to accept her contribution, Olga surprised him with a quick punch to the chest, knocking the wind out of him before she flipped him over to the ground. So she proceeded to tie Victor up with a hairdryer cord, gagged him, and dragged him into the storage room. A curiously Life.ru reports, Olga instructed the others to keep on working, telling them that the police would soon arrive. Olga have plans for burglar. You all stay in another room. But this soon turned ugly. The police did not come. And after the other stylists and clients went home for the weekend, Olga told Victor to take off his underwear. <laughs> and then with apologies to John Cougar Mellencamp, let her do as she pleases. I don't understand. Why is she apologizing to John Cougar Mellencamp? I don't know. This is a Russian written story. Is this a song reference that I'm not getting? I guess so. All right. Uh, she tied him to the radiator with handcuffs covered with frilly pink fabric, <laughs> gave him some Viagra, and had her way with him several hours of the next 48 hours. Wow. She finally let him go in the evening of March 16th. Victor had been squeezed like a lemon. First, he went to the hospital to have his injured genitals treated. <laughs> then he went to police and filed a complaint asking that Olga be brought up on criminal charges for committing, quote, actions of a sexual nature, unquote, that left him with injured sexual organs. He's handcuffed to a radiator with frilly pink uh, restraints. Olga is incensed after she learns of this complaint. She had, after all, even tried to be nice to her purported captive. What a jerk. <laughs> Life.ru quoted her as saying... <laughs> <laughs> Olga, yeah. try and give love burglar. Burglar no appreciate love. Yeah, there were a few times, but I bought him new jeans, gave him food and drink, and gave him 1,000 rubles when he left. The following day, <laughs> Olga filed a complaint with police asking that Victor be charged with salon robbery. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen next.
<laughs> we could put both of them behind bars for robbery, her for rape and assault. I'm exhausted. <laughs> is that you saying that I, you're exhausted? I don't know. It just says I'm exhausted. It doesn't, <laughs> it's an it doesn't equate that. It's an that unattributed quote. quote? Yes, it does. Oh, wow. And I don't know who's exhausted, Victor Olga or the police sergeant. It's, and, and the idea, like in my head, I'm picturing that Futurama episode where they go to the Snoo Snoo planet where there's the giant Amazon women that are just forcibly um, having their way with Professor Farnsworth over and over and over again. Good God Almighty. Well, there you go. News from Mother Russia. It's 503-733-2970. Just ahead, Aaron Duran joins us in the studio to review Crank 2. Uh, we've also got... And Nibbler told me something. So Greg Nibbler told me that there is a guy who called the show, and I think we're going to get him back on. Yesterday, uh, Sarah and I were putting together our teams for the Sleep Country uh, Foster Kids Pajama Bowl, which is coming up a week from this Sunday, uh, and it is to benefit Trillium Family Services. And the deal was that there were four slots on Sarah's team and then five on mine because I'm going to be, I'm going to be gone. Um, but then I'm going to take my team out to lunch later on and, and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the slots were $101 and, uh, you know, the audience really stepped up as we knew they would. I mean, even, even in the, you know, times like this, I mean, they, you know, this, they kind of it came, you know, they all came together and we uh, got the teams, uh, you know, filled and it's just, it really is great. Then Nibbler tells me today that a guy called from, is it from Texas? He says that a guy called from Texas. And actually wants to fly up to to bowl or to be on the team, something like that. So we'll we'll figure out what that is uh, just ahead as well. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Indeed. So secret aardvark, habanero hot sauce, uh, which is something that I was just talking to Aaron about uh, during the break, actually. Uh, but I have there's a jillion uses for it, and here's why. Secret aardvark, habanero hot sauce is the perfect mixture of flavor and heat. And so if you've got maybe a, you know, a sauce that you've already made or maybe you know, sometimes, look, this is going to happen too. You buy a sauce and or it's like a, a marinade or a topping or something that you're going to be using or mixing it with food. And then you find that it just doesn't have uh, the punch or the flavor that you want it to. Secret Aardvark uh, makes a great sort of, uh, you know, I don't say an additive, but you can put it in something to sort of add a lot of the elements that maybe aren't there in the food already because it doesn't overwhelm the flavor of whatever you're adding it to. Secret Aardvark Abanero Hot Sauce. You can find that more about it at secretardvark.com. And unlike a, a hot sauce that is maybe uh, so hot that you sense that it's just kind of sold for novelty purposes where you know it just you can't taste anything beyond the heat, or some of those hot sauces, which are the opposite end of the spectrum, they're not hot at all, uh, where they're just very watery and it's kind of a lot of vinegar and you know a little bit of pepper in the background somewhere, but it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really add any heat. Secret Aardvark is right in the middle and it's the perfect mix, which means that it does have a real kick to it, but it has great flavor. It's got tomato, it's got onion, a little bit of vinegar, and then a Caribbean uh, sort of southwestern flavor to top it all off. Fresh habanero added into the mix as well. So the recipe is right here from Portland. It's a Portland-based company, and you can find out more about it at secretartvark.com. You can find out where they sell it. You can find out what restaurants use it. And, of course, if you go to a restaurant and you go to your favorite store and you don't see it, you got to tell them to uh, have it in stock, to have it there on the table. Secretartvark.com. Secret Artvark habanero hot sauce. One sauce to rule them all. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO, and good morning to you. All right. Let me just, uh, just going to play one thing for you here, and that thing is... Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. Yeah. That's the best thing I've heard all day. That's wonderful. Right. Just one more time. Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. All right, if you didn't hear the context from which that was drawn, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do it at least once more here before the end of the show. Excellent. It's 503-733-2970. It is the, uh, the Rick Emerson Show. How... 
how would he not know his wife was pregnant with baby number three? See, like early in the 911 call, the, the, the wife is in the bathroom, there's just some distress or some blood or whatever, which understandably would, would alarm you. But then all of a sudden, he just tells the operator... Oh, I'm sorry. All of a sudden, he tells the... <laughs> he doesn't say that at all. All of a sudden, he he tells the operator this thing about about the baby. It, like, it's just... It's like he doesn't even know what it is. Like, it just sort of came out of a... Like, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, right? Like, the baby was... Like, the existence of babies uh, as a whole uh, was sort of uh, completely unknown to him. Oh, my God! I'm looking at a baby! I mean, it's it, like it was some new form of igneous rock that they had just discovered in the backyard or whatever. Uh, well, whatever. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from geekinthecity.com, our good friend Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Hello. All right. So we are going to talk about Crank 2 Yes. Uh, today. By the way, I got the big <laughs> box of Crank 2 swag. Uh, oh, what did they send you? Back in my office. Dude, it is, it's righteous. It is, uh, first I'm of all, some. huge thing of jumper cables. Yeah. And then they actually made their own batteries to promote this. It's like Crank 2 brand, like AA batteries or, awesome. or whatever. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of like, like shot glasses and knickknacks and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about Crank 2 in a second. We will talk about the Stumptown Comics Fest. Yes. Uh, which is uh, not to be confused with uh, the Bridgetown Comedy Fest. <laughs> not to be confused with like, uh, hey, is it uh, is it just me or is stuff really weird? That guy. Um, so this is Stumpton Comics Fest. We'll talk about that. And then uh, the new episode of AZ, which Woo-hoo! is a uh, CBS radio produced live radio drama, uh, which will be airing uh, this weekend. So before we do any of that, Greg Nibbler, can you uh, join us in the uh, in the studio, uh, please? Uh, if we can uh, have production assistant uh, Greg Nibbler join us, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, put him on uh, microphone uh, number three here. Greg Nibbler has uh, been really just doing a uh, the work of a thousand men the last uh, couple of days, especially because yesterday we were raising money for uh, Trillium Family Services by creating Sarah's Sleep Country Pajama Bowl team and mine. You know, the people from all over Portland called in, they, and they kicked in $101 to be on the team for the Pajama Bowl, which comes up on the 26th. And so then Greg uh, corners me earlier, and he's like, hey, there's a guy from Texas who wants to be on the team. Have I got this? Have I, the facts of this correct? He's in Texas now? That is correct. Yes, he's in Texas now. He listens to the podcast, available Excellent. at kofo.com. Right. And uh, he uh, listens in, and he called up and said that he wants to be on the bowling team, and he will fly up here. He's willing to fly up here to bowl. All right. And so what is, what is his name? Uh, his name is Ryan. All right. Is this Ryan? Right yeah, here? we have him on the line right now. Uh, oh, <laughs> of course. Wow. And I just checked it, too. Way, uh, to, way to fail. Wow. I wonder, okay, hold on. Okay. He called back there. Yeah, hold check. on a second. Let me check these other lines. Uh, hello, sir and madam, as the case may be. Might this be Ryan in Texas? This is Ryan from Texas. Ryan okay. in Texas. All right. Hello. How are you, sir? Well, fine, I guess. All right. So, uh, first of all, so this is, what part, where are you at in Texas? Dallas, just outside of Dallas, Texas. All right, so you are in uh, you are in Dallas. All right, and so you listen to the show uh, via podcast. Now, how did you how did you discover the show? Did you discover it online? Or are you from Portland? How did you how did the show come to your attention? No, I hate the radio stations here, and I was fumbling through my iPhone, and you just happened to pop up. I think on AOL Radio, and excellent. I've been, I've been hooked ever since. How long ago was that? Um, I started this about three months. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, well, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for listening, and uh, and we appreciate that. And people can, yes, you can find, you can get. I mean, and it's like the iPhone. There's now a BlackBerry uh, stream of the show. I know that is out, and of course, you can get us at uh, at iTunes and at kufo.com. It is. Uh, we are omnipresent, sir. So you are in Texas, but you are wanting to fly up and then bowl on one of the Sleep Country teams. Absolutely. And so now. It, not that I'm like looking a gift horse in the mouth here, but uh, but I mean, why? What is the what is the particular motivation? Is it you want to see Portland? Is it that you just care about children that much? Is it that uh, 
you've just got too much cash laying around and you're trying to figure out what to do with it? No, Sarah mentioned something about drinking beer. (laughs) (laughs) What are the odds of that? Uh, yes. Well, it is. I mean, I will say Big Al's in Vancouver, which is where we do this. Vancouver, Washington is a, uh, is a pretty fantastic, uh, establishment. And there are, um, there are often cups raised. Yes. And then, uh, and then depending on how the uh, day goes and whether a team is victorious, sometimes uh, the uh, celebration, I think, can go into the, uh, go into the later hours of the day. So this is on April 26th. So this, now, were you headed this way already or would it be, the trip would be solely for this? Right. Solely for this. Let me ask you this. Of uh, Sarah's team and my team, which team did you see yourself bowling for? Well, after you call it the estrogen team, I'd have to say yours, Rick. That's the right answer, sir. That is what I'm talking about right there. All right. Uh, well, here's what we're going to do. Hey, Greg, we've got the uh, Ryan's contact info. Mm-hmm. We know you yes. get all of him? Yep. All right. Um, here's what we're going to do. We've already got uh, people on my team. We've got people on Sarah's team and some alternates. But this is, I mean, really, there's no way we cannot take advantage of your uh, of your goodwill and of your kind offer. So we're going to find a way to make this work, and we will uh, we'll get in touch. If not uh, today, then sometime in the next day or two, uh, Ryan, and we'll we'll sort of figure it out. We'll try to get a try to get a handle on how to make this work. So, uh, but, but in advance, let me say uh, thank you. And it really is, you know, it's like earlier we were talking to that Josie, I think her name was, and I said, you know, attention advertisers, you too can reach this uh, audience of staggering intellect, which is true. Uh, and it really is also, I mean, the idea that. And I'm not even trying to be like, look how great I am. Uh, although clearly the answer look is how great you are. the answer is astoundingly great, obviously. But um, I mean, just the idea that uh, that you would uh, you know go to that trouble and expense to come here from from Dallas to to be you know to take part in something with the show and something for this uh, event is really um, it really is quite something. So uh, so I thank you for that, and we will get in touch in the next day or so, and we'll figure it out, my friend. That would be great. And one thing, I, Rick, before I get off the phone, I'd like to extend one thing from Texas to you. Is that a Baba Booey? No, oh, here we go. No, and this, by the way, and uh, Mr. Nibbler best does know I'm in Texas. He's called me several times this morning. So, but one thing I will extend to you as a as a fairly new listener to the show. No, oh, no, you're not gonna you're not gonna secede from the show. Oh, I totally oh, saw that one. He coming. does oh. listen. <laughs> I didn't even see it you coming. You got star pwned, <laughs> noob. Oh, all right. Oh, so, uh, so, gold. so for people awesome. who, who are maybe a very recent listeners to the show, there was somebody back in that. You know, if you look through the mists of time, you can maybe try to figure out who did this. And I don't know who started it, but there was some listener uh, just uh, eons ago that ended a call by saying, "You know, Rick, I got three points to make. One, blah 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 blah. Two, blah blah blah. Zombies bacon. Three. You know, and then he said, you know, I got one more thing. Three, click, and then he hung up, <laughs> which was sort of, you know, and I thought it was just an accident, and maybe it was. I mean, he might not even have been intending that. And then about 20 minutes later, there was a, uh, a guy called up, and he said, Rick, I got one more thing. Click, and then, like, it was on. And so now that is uh, – it's just become one of those hallmarks of the uh, of the Rick Emerson show. Well, he set you up good, too. Yes. I didn't see it coming. See, and I thought he was going to be – because we've gotten – Maybe a fair amount of emails from Texas in the last day or two uh, because their nutcase governor keeps talking about we will secede and, you know, fine. Uh, and, and so we've, you know, been poking some fun at our neighbors to the south. And I thought maybe it was a defense of the Lone Star states. It was uh, an observation about the, you know, seceding from something or other. No, he goes right for the click. Well that done. That guy's full of wind. He really yes. is. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Ryan. We'll uh, we'll be in touch. Aaron Duran. Uh, crank two. It's awesome. It, it looks so unbelievably great. The, just the scene where they are hooking the jumper cables to the guy's tongue. Yeah. And then 
you know, hooking him up to like a, like a Monte Carlo or something because he has to recharge his electric heart every 30 <laughs> minutes. I mean, it's like the best premise I've ever seen for a film. Oh, it's great. I mean, you know, sometimes you just want to sit back and enjoy the completely insane action film where they throw logic out the window. Right, right. And the main character is indestructible unless his failing heart shuts down. Totally. I do have that clip. Do we have a – so this is from uh, Crank to High Voltage, which opens today. Uh, so uh, do we know the setup for this? Uh, let's see. Uh, Chev Chelios' character applies jumper cables to his body to get a boost from a live car battery. This going to be clean because that's going to be a hard thing did, to this, find. Did this movie. come from uh, – It this comes from Metro Source. Eight, so okay. All right. Okay. There we go. You want to give me a jump? Just chase me. That was very descriptive. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. <laughs> right. Hey, 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 hey. Randy? Hey. What the hell are you doing here? It's about the dude. Every cop in the city's looking for him. What? Uh... All right, I'm trying to be cool to you, but I will. So is this the same drop character? The hammer. Frank, too? You want to no. drop the hammer, baby? No, because Jason Statham is oh! the main character. Oh! Ah! I'm in no mood today, Randy. Are these really the cuts that Metro Source picked from the film? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Come <laughs> Wow. This is a, a hardcore action movie that's made to entertain. So, you know, forget all the story points. Just, uh, you know, strap yourself in and get ready for the ride. See, That's what I'd say. That's exactly what this movie I'm is. I'm okay too. with that. By the way, it doesn't look like that voice should come out of that guy. No, I mean, that's. I kind of feel like Jason Statham was born 15 years too late. Like in the 80s, he would have been a big action star, but I think we're kind of past that big over-the-top action movie phase. He would have been uh, alongside Dolph Lundgren. Well, no, he would have been better than Dolph Lundgren. I mean, he does, I have to say, just... He's just incredibly cool. And I only saw him. part of the first one, which is where he has to the, uh, crank the, you know, the keep first crank. Adrenaline. Where he, he has, has to keep the his, bus and speed. Yeah, he has to keep his pulse above, like, 80 beats a minute yeah. or something or whatever. Uh, and so when Lauren and I went to see Observe and Report, this was... Which was put with a uh, totally mismatched set of trailers because they're, you know, because they figure dudes are going to come see it because it's Seth Rogen and they figure, yeah. you know, whatever. And so, you know, I'm there, so maybe it's true. Um, but they, this trailer played, and at first we thought it was like, I thought I was watching like some, like they brought back that Surge drink from the 90s or totally. something. But instead of like dudes who look like DJ Shadow climbing a mud hill, it was going to be, uh, you know, like this guy, like, hey, hook some jumper cables to my nipples. Yeah, it was Jason Statham with a bunch of Yakuza gangsters and... Yeah, and then the trailer became more absurd and more absurd, and sort of following that Chris Farley uh, humor arc, it became absurd and absurd. And I'm like, are you, really? Are you kidding me? And then it just became awesomely absurd. Yes. And by the end of the trailer, even my wife, uh, you know, uh, who spends most of her time uh, online reading like MoveOn.org message boards, is just like, that's we're totally seeing this. You know, <laughs> the opening day. Awesome. Yeah. So excellent. I think they made a mistake for not screening it. I had to. Uh, I had to procure it in other ways because I felt like the word had to be spread on this film. So that well, it, so they didn't even want critics to see it. Well, I mean, because no. it's it, what's the point? I mean, you're either going to see it or not. It's critic proof, I would think. Well, yeah, and I think they should have just selected some some handpicked critics and have them go see it. Right. Uh, but yeah, and the movie is relentlessly profane. That's why some of the clips you're hearing are just people going, uh, uh, because every other word is an F-bomb. I, I mean, mean, you have even little old ladies because he has to build up electricity and there's a, 
there's a moment where he has to build up static electricity, and the only person around is an old lady. Is this where he's rubbing himself all over an old woman? And then she goes into explicit descriptions of how it happens. I think the phrase uh, and uh, the phrase that I saw in the trailer, and I'll have to paraphrase here, but uh, <laughs> is where he is rubbing himself against an old woman because he's got to create static electricity to power his artificial heart. And I suspect they may have taken some liberties with the medical facts and science uh, that underpins no. this movie. But the woman is then talking to cops, and she's like the 90-year-old, you know, sort of sweet grandmother. And she does say something only like... it was Betty White. And she says something like, you know, he treated me like a dirty whore. <laughs> I think it, that was when Laura and I were like, this is righteous. We are totally here. So, yeah, right. no, you go check it out. It's Don't go see the new Ben Affleck movie. Go see Crank 2. I didn't even know there was a new Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. I just sort of assume... Ben Affleck and Russell Crowe are in a movie together. I figure at this point, all of the things that were once... Uh, you know, it's like a, like you work at an office or a building, something, and you know, somebody gets fired, and then they got to figure out, like, well, where is Bob's email going to get routed to? I don't know. I just forward it to Bob's supervisor. I figure that right now, all of Ben Affleck's email and scripts are just... They're just all going to Paul Rudd. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and so he's just sitting at home, like, clicking, you know, receive mail well, over thought, and over again and nothing's showing up. I kind of thought he was going to stick with directing because his directorial debut was really good. Gone, baby, gone. And then I saw him in the preview and I'm like, wait a minute, why is he acting again? <laughs> somebody, he, somebody hasn't gotten the memo. <laughs> uh, straight ahead, we'll talk about the uh, St uh, Stumptown Comics Fest, uh, which is happening uh, this weekend, ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen. And uh, right now we're going to take caller number 10 at 503-733-2970 for your chance at a pair of Queensryche tickets. The final pair we're giving away to the Roseland Show, which is tomorrow. And you'll also uh, win admission to a private listener-only performance by mm -hmm. uh, Queensryche at a disclosed location, sponsored Sorry, by no Miller Lite. So caller 10 right now at 503 733 it is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. Tim Riley will recap the day's biggest stories, and we'll find out a bit about the Stumptown Comics Festival, which is happening uh, all this weekend. But first, ladies and gentlemen, before we do anything else, we're going to be phones for our final pair of Queensryche tickets this week. Uh, Queensryche tomorrow with the Roseland tickets on sale now at all Tickets West outlets. And, of course, if you uh, win these, you will also go with a guest to a private listener-only KUFO performance by Queensryche earlier in the day. Brought to you by Miller Lite, the best-tasting light beer, triple-hopped, for great taste. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this Pete? Yeah. Hello, Pete. How are you today? I'm good. Now, I, I was on hold to, to try to win yesterday, and then I was I actually lost on Monday. So I'm really excited today. So I hope uh, that's a really easy question. Really? You're, so you are one of those guys. You are a power yeah. dialer, sir. Oh, yeah. Do you have some sort of a matrix thing where, like, the phone is just hooked into your like your cerebral cortex, and it just dials just by you thinking about it or something? Yeah, I just had to blink my eyes three times. Okay, then. Pete, are you a Queensryche fan? Oh, huge. Then you should have no difficulty answering this question. On Queensryche, uh, Queensryche's groundbreaking concept album, Operation Mind Crime, the character of Mary was a drug addict, then a sex worker, but finally found what profession as her life's calling? Can I hear that again? On Queensryche's groundbreaking concept album, Operation Mind Crime, the character of Mary was a drug addict, and sex worker, but eventually found what profession as her life's calling? Um, a nurse. No, sadly, that is uh, that is not the answer, Pete. Huge Queensryche fan. Ah, uh, shucks. Where is your god now? I ask you. All right. Thank you, Pete. All right, there you go. That is uh, Pete. Pete seemed very dispirited about the whole thing. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Who is this? Uh, this is Cody. Hello, Cody. On Queensryche's groundbreaking concept album, Operation Mind Crime, the character of Mary was a drug addict and sex worker, but finally found what profession is her life's calling? 
Uh, radio host, DJ. <laughs> no, but I admire your moxie and your on-the-spot wit. No, no, no. Sorry about that. All right, we'll do uh, one more here. It's our final opportunity to give these away. Eric, hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. All right, Eric, same question to you. Queensryche's groundbreaking concept album, Operation Minecraft, the character of Mary was a drug addict, sex worker, but finally found what profession as her life's calling? Um, was she Mary on Frank Zappa's Thing Fish? Nope. I almost want to give you uh, uh, these just a bit for style points, uh, but sadly, uh, almost doesn't make the buttercup shine or whatever it is. Some phrase like that. No, sorry about that. No, I'm sorry. No, the correct answer you're looking for was... A pharmacist. No. No, the... No. We're just shouting out random things. The correct answer was none. Oh. Not as in, like, none of the above, but none. Whatever. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, straight ahead, we have Tim Riley. He'll be recapping today's biggest stories. Aaron Duran from Geek in the City. Uh, let's talk briefly about the Stumptown Comics Fest, which is happening this weekend. Yeah, it's happening this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, April 18th and 19th, at the uh, the Lloyd Center, the Doubletree, mm-hmm. the Lloyd Center Doubletree Hotel. They have that huge meeting area on the front, on the first floor. So that's where the Stumptown Comics Fest is happening. It's 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. And it is quickly becoming the country's premier independent comic book film, uh, comic book festival. Uh, we're going to have guests, guests of honor. We've got uh, Jeff Smith, uh, who created Bone, which is the the world renowned comic series Bone. Uh, Gail Simone, who currently writes for uh, DC, she writes uh, Wonder Woman and The Secret Six. Um, Craig Thompson's going to be there. Fyral Dompier is going to be there. It's just it's going to be a fantastic event. There's going to be portfolio reviews. And workshops and Q and A's. It's a great event for all ages to come by. And it is at the uh, Double Tree uh, Lloyd Center. Yes. And it's happening both uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday, just Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. And Sunday. Yeah. All tonight right. is the tonight is the charity dinner, uh, where uh, Mayor Sam Adams is declaring April as Comic Book Month in Portland. Excellent. So the entire city is nothing but comics this month. Uh, and then coming up Sunday night, uh, CBS Radio Portland presents AZ, a yep. live radio drama taking place in modern day Portland after the zombie apocalypse. That's our... right. We're doing a uh, we're doing a double AZ. Uh, normally we do like Crimson Mist and AZ this weekend because everyone who works on the Crimson Mist will actually be at Stumptown and unable to perform. <laughs> we are uh, doing back to back AZs. So by listener request, we are going to rebroadcast uh, what's been known as the lost episode, which is the geek episode. And then a live new episode of AZ. All right, so that is coming up uh, this Sunday uh, at 6 p.m. on our sister station, uh, 970.am, 6 p.m., uh, 9.70, immediately followed by Musicology, which is co-hosted by our good friend Kristen Bowie, who is in the studio with us today. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Geekinthecity.com is the website for Aaron Duran. Straight ahead, Tim Riley recaps today's biggest headlines, and coming up at 9 o'clock, it smells like the 90s with Buzz. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show in mere moments. We are such fans of your music and all of your records. I'm not speaking of yours personally, but the whole genre of the rock and roll. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of our uh, broadcast. Tim Riley, what were today's biggest headlines? 15,000 turn out to cheer on the Blazers. Sarah Palin says people are criticizing her and her family for their unpretentious living. And parents turn into Salem boy for robbing a Taco Bell. 
And uh, by the way, we've got uh, just this tiny little excerpt of the greatest 911 call that we've had in quite some time. It was the. Uh, oh my God! I'm looking at a baby. Now we will. Uh, it, it, we will be playing that 911 call in its entirety, probably at multiple times next week. So uh, you can also find that at kufo.com, which is where you can hear uh, the podcast of this show in their entirety. So go to kufo.com. And you hear the podcast of this show uh, 24-7, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We want to thank Kristen Bowie, who uh, did a fantastic job of stepping in uh, for Sarah Excellent today. Thank you, Kristen Bowie. It was exemplary. Thank you. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show produced today by Kristen Bowie for the vacationing Sarah X. Dillon in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler of the Niblonians. Uh, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds, and of course, executive producer, one Christopher J. Paddock. Uh, we want to thank Aaron Geek in the City Duran, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, uh, uh, and CNN Radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. Coming up uh, just uh, moments from now, we have Smells Like the 90s with our good friend, Buzz. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Friday, April 17th, 2000. And that is The Frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all on Monday.